Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 269. Joining us this week, uh, back once again, our very good friend. He is the, I gotta make sure I got this right now, Visitor Experience and Marketing Manager. Title changing all the time. Uh, our good buddy, Mark Simon, from the Zoo Zoo Zoo, the Utica Zoo. So you can expect family fun for everyone as we talk with Mark about the reopening of the zoo, about our weird mid-30s adaptation of golf into our life, weirdly, uh, and how much he likes biking and camping. So we're getting a lot of weird summertime conversation, which is uh, prone to happen when Mark comes to join us. Also this week, uh, we'll talk about uh, the cuts going on at UPS, COVID update, we'll talk about Kamala Harris, uh, history lessons, the Fresh Prince reboot, uh, a little bit of uh, 2000s nostalgia. All of this, folks, Spotify picks, and so much more. As always, on the Uticast, we are happy to have you here. This is podcasting. Uh, welcome back to the show, folks. It's the Uticast episode 269. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, an exciting episode. We are joined by our good friend, the uh, Visitor Experience and Marketing Manager of the Utica Zoo. I was told mm. this is his title now. I see. So many titles. I see. King of titles, Mark Simon. The Utica Zoo's very own Mark Simon. <laughs> a great time uh, talking to Mark. We uh, had a nice long conversation. We were talking about a lot of things. Zoo's back open as of July 2nd. I've seen a lot of people uh, posting, going to the zoo, being distant, doing the thing, wearing the mask. But it's, it's. I mean, that's a great spot to get out if you oh, want to yeah. get out and have a day and you got like young kids mm-hmm. and you want to do something fun to stay away from people. So, good and time to go to the zoo. It is. And if you're curious about, uh, you know, what sort of stipulation, not stipulations, what sort of uh, guidelines are in place for COVID at the zoo, you can go to uticazoo.org slash prepare. Uh, and we'll hit that again as we get into the interview. It is a so. shame, because it would be Brewfest time, like, right now, mm. I think, usually, mm. so. You know, also talked about, they got a new exhibit there. Oh, what do they got? They got uh, African painted dogs. Mm. Pretty sharp looking creatures. That's I cool. What's that, like a small hyena looking? So, <laughs> I'm, glad sort of joint? I'm glad you said that, because I said that as well, and Mark scolded me, because oh, uh, apparently African painted dogs are not, uh, are just dogs, whereas hyenas actually exhibit characteristics of cats as well. They're not strictly... But do they kind of look like hyenas? They kind of look like dogs. Here's a picture of it right here. They're real majestic looking creatures. Yeah, it looks like a small hyena. (laughs) Well, uh... I see the difference, but like if somebody said the small hyenas, they wouldn't be wrong if they didn't know any better. It's a really sharp looking animal. Yeah, that's super cool to have. Much like all of one of those like like feral cats, like what a beautiful Mm. looking animal. Seems like it would be cool to own for two seconds until it like ripped your hand off. I mean, if you had a ton of expansive like space where something could live, but you still can't. You can't be having wild dogs off the Serengeti. Like that's not. It's <laughs> well, not the move when you live in Utica. Uh, it's real cool though. They got them here. You're saying we're one of the only few. They're endangered or on on the spectrum of endangered species. So it's very lucky that they have one of the few mm. zoos in the country to have them. So that's really cool. 
Um, they've only been there since like July 31st. So mm. relatively new. So again, uticazoo.org. Check out all the information. We'll talk to Mark for a good long time, actually. We talked a lot about golf. Uh, He's getting into golf, yeah, yeah. of our friends uh, are getting another, into golf. Another round, I know. <laughs> Birthday boy today, Cliff Montoni, is also a big golfer. He's a big golf so guy. He's going out to hit some balls. Uh, he must have been his big birthday weekend. There was a UFC event. He probably went golfing. He probably did some jujitsu. He's prime. He's doing all right. Oh, man. Doing all right. Uh, so let's see. Uh, a lot of stuff on the on the books to talk about this week. A lot of important stuff, actually. But uh, as usual, we'll start off with a few quick notes. Quick notes. Quick notes. Uh, we need a soundboard so you can I do need a soundboard. Or something like that. Next just. time when I start. Well, I gotta get that new computer. Maybe I'll get a soundboard to go oh, with the computer. Get a third laptop a third, to open here in the studio. I see. Uh, so my mom actually just stopped by, who we're not allowed to talk about, but she yes. just delivered us yes. uh, 20, no, 19 boneless buffalo wings of the 20 that she bought because her and my stepdad took a bite and said it was too hot. Too like, hot for him. Didn't care for mm, it. Tough. So now we got free wings. What a delivery. Uh, a lot of good deliveries this week. I'm going to talk about a restaurant experience I had over the weekend. Mm. Went out and did some socially distant dining out at the Steak and Brew mm. in Turin, New York, which is about an hour away from, from home base here. Up there by Snow Ridge, where they do Motown from time yeah. to time, as a lot of people know. And this was ostensibly under the guise of doing a little bit of a graduation dinner. Yeah. Ceremony for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about the steak and brew in just a minute because I got a lot of thoughts. All positive, mind you. I have no no negativity for it. Uh, but my mom's always really good at uh, coming up with, uh, finding stuff from back in the day to share with me. Mm. So in the card that she gave me, there's a whole bunch of stuff, uh, mm. like old-timey stuff. Like there was a little... Artifacts. A little five-page cartoon book I wrote when I was like seven years old mm-hmm. about King Henry VIII. Your mom is the best. Yeah. I gotta tell you. She's great. Uh, but she saved this snippet from a newspaper okay. in 2004. I can't exactly tell you the date because it's literally just a little tiny uh, snippet right. cut out. Uh, but I'll give you the headline. <clears throat> T.R. Proctor wins in Virathon. Okay? Mm. So here you go. 2004. Students from seven, count them seven, mm. Oneida County High Schools recently competed in the ninth annual Oneida County Envirothon at Verona Beach State Park. Teams of five students competed in answering questions on environmental subjects. Mm. The winners were, of course, Thomas R. Proctor Senior High School, led by the team of Ed DiCarlo, Frank DiCarlo, Anthony DiSpirito, Kim Cook, and the one and only Sam Famolaro. It says the one and only in here. Shout out. It does. Uh, Camden plays second and Ariskany plays third. Suck it, 2004. Camden and Ariskany didn't have wow. the didn't wow, have wow. the juice to get past for the Envirothon. Yeah. So the environmental questions. Yeah, yeah. So there were individual competitions, and we placed first overall. Mm. The individual competitions were aquatics, uh-huh. which Camden came in first in. Right. Uh, forestry, which we came in first in. Well, you know <laughs> about forestry, boys. Boys. Uh, <laughs> uh, soils. Bosey's came in first. Mm. Uh, wildlife, Bosey's team two came in first. So mm. Bosey had two teams out here. Yeah. And then urban conservation. Come on. Come on. You know who got this. Yo. The boys. T.R. Proctor. And Kim, of course. The boys and Kim. <laughs> uh, so shout out to uh, the DiCarlo That's twins. That's nice your mom to hang on to that kind of stuff. Yeah, pretty funny, right? Yeah. Uh, so shout out to the DiCarlo lads. Uh, Anthony Espirito, Kim Cook, my teammates from 2004. All long-time listeners. Uh, Shout-out to Ed and Frank DiCarlo, too, because uh, me and Frank DiCarlo had a nice little thing going for many years. Because Frank didn't love getting out in public when we were younger in high school and, like, Mm. being that dude. Sure. And, you know, you know your boy. (laughs) (laughs) You know your boy. I like to be that dude. Yeah, you'll go out. So me and Frank had a really good working relationship in high school. Uh, A little bit of 
brains and showmanship. If we had to do like a two-man project, we always had a nice little thing going on. Sure. Yeah. You're the smart guy. Help me out. Show me how to do this. And I will present this like I'm the greatest showman. Like I'm Hugh Jackman. I got this. This I is see. all. Yeah. Great work. So shout out to all those lads. Uh, so there you go. My mom took me to the Steak and Brew. My mom, my family went up there. Right. You, have you been to this restaurant? No. Pretty cool spot. Really mm. enjoyed it. Uh, worked the trip. Really friendly staff. Seems like people who are like a family working over there doing nice. their thing. Uh, but one of the things they do there, and the whole bit, is they you get the steak, right? Mm. Steak Diane or the steak au poivre. And uh, they do that at the table side for you. Right. So they roll out like a cart mm. with the hot plate and the thing on it. There's like a, in the middle of the restaurant, there's like a, it's a real small restaurant. In the middle, there's like a, what do you call, um, a steam vent. Like, you know what I'm talking about? It yeah. sucks up the steam. Exhaust. The exhaust pipe. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, uh, and my man just goes out there and tells you a little story about cooking steaks. Cooks you up a steak. It's really impressive. <laughs> right at table side. And it serves it to you. Why do you want that? I don't know. Why do you want them out there? It's just very... It's nice to see it cooked right in front of you, I suppose. Right? You, you suppose feel, it, it feels real fresh. And real, like, right there. Bam. There's no separation. Like, right off the plate. Bam. Right in front of you. Don't ah. let this thing rest at all. Cut it. Eat Cut it. it. Eat it. No resting whatsoever. Mm. Uh, no, it was real cool, though. Yeah, it um, seems like a cool thing. But I, I had that thing that happens sometimes when you go to a restaurant where you are paralyzed by choice. Too many options. Mm. Not to say their menu was too big, but there's a lot of different things that were appealing yeah, yeah, to me a lot of on the menu. Go, a lot of directions. Uh, I feel like I'm going to go back. I'm the steak Always tough in the restaurant. That's going to be your new thing. Just steaks and turret. Well, I appreciate... Here's the thing. I don't really normally get a steak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something I commonly do. But I figured I'm out here. This is... I don't want to say the gimmick because that feels... But it's the uh, gimmick. Right. That's their whole shtick, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's any better. No, Why is that is better? Shtick is worse than gimmick? I would rather have somebody uh, call it a gimmick. That's calling it what it is. It's one of the Shtick highlights One of the highlights of their, yeah, of their, their program. This recovery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I had to do it, though. Like, you go there yeah, yeah. for this thing. That's and their signature. Their signature item, their signature right? move. And I was thinking, I guess that's the move, right? If you want to start a restaurant. And I was arguing about this with Justin uh, last night. I can't believe I it. I can't believe it. I know. Uh, I feel like you have to have, if not a signature item, something interesting or cool that draws people through the door. Whether it's one item you do particularly well, or one particularly interesting way you prepare. So I don't know, something sort of helps yeah. to get a little buzz, a little groundswell. So I yeah. think maybe that's why you do the table side thing, right? Set yourself apart a little bit. Do something different. It also seems like this place, I've never been here, so I don't know anything about it. Is it, They've been open for a while? Seems like it. So that, to me, the table side thing seems like a remnant from a different time. Mm-hmm. You don't really see people do that anymore. It's not super like yeah. efficient or economical mm-hmm. or even really wanted, but it's something left over from a different time with different like culinary traditions that you'd see in cutting-edge restaurants where people would do that stuff with that table-side prep and everything. They also do it with the Caesar salad, which is right. quite good as well, which I yeah. appreciated. You're more likely to see that than the steak yeah. a lot of places you go. So, good stuff over the steak and brew. I give it my San Famolaro... Thumbs up. Thumbs up, which you can't see because we're uh, on the air. Uh, Rest assured, that thumb was all the way up. Also, I have to uh, give some uh, shout-outs of thanks to the folks down at Handshake City this weekend who did the photo pop-up event over on Sunday. Yeah, how was that? Great time. I appreciate mm. all the folks who were... Uh, I did my graduation photos over yeah, there, yeah. which I've been sort of holding off doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably the most popular Instagram post I've ever posted, I was saying to you earlier. Did you yeah, mad likes your peak. I'm not very good at social media. So for me to get like more than like 50 likes and anything, I'm like, hey! Quality, not quantity. There you go. That's true. 
Uh, it was a lot of fun, though, so shout out to, of course, our guest this week, Mark Simon, mm-hmm. who I put on the spot while he was photographing. I'm like, yo, come over tomorrow. We'll do the pod. So very fine. Very fine. So shout out to Mark and May and Ken uh, and Allison, who all did a great job. Mm-hmm. And from what I heard, the rest of the event was really cool. Uh, sold out really quickly. I think it's a great idea. Well, they're going to run it again, I think. Yeah, it seems yeah. like so. That's what it, it seems like. It seems like there's going to be a few more, but it's a cool idea because people can, like, you had your graduation, so that worked for you. If you wanted yeah. to just go take pictures of, like, you know, if you had a dog and you wanted to, like, you and your dog, or if somebody wanted to bring their family, or, you know, just whatever kind of thing you want to do, it's a cool notion to get a professional picture of yourself because everybody posts, everybody has profile pictures, that kind of thing. So it's a really nice opportunity and a great way to use the space. Uh, and also, before we head out of quick notes and into the, uh, the sort of. The muck of the world. <laughs> sure. Uh, I just want to po- uh, point out again our good friend Heather, Heather Waz, mm-hmm. who is, uh, as always, being very forthright and forthcoming about uh, about PTSD and anxiety on Instagram and really wants to get conversation going for people who are struggling with PTSD and anxiety. Mm. I, won't, uh, I won't step on any of her Instagram stuff she's been posting. It's really good. Go read it and check mm-hmm. it out and interact with her. Uh, she's doing really cool stuff, and we're really excited about all as of As always. The, as best. always. So, just wanted to shout it out earlier in the show, mm-hmm. sometimes I wait until the end of the show, and then I feel like people don't... Yeah, get her out front. Yeah, get her out up front. Get her out front. Uh, and that's really all I have for quick notes, Kev. Anything this week before we dig into some of the news stories that's sort of been on your mind? Anything that's been mm-hmm. at your... See. Bothering you, giving you good we're, vibes? We're excited. I mean, you know, we, we try to find the good vibes. We can get them, I suppose. Um, my niece walked... Took yeah. some steps. Yes. Pretty wild. <laughs> Shout out to a great friend of the pod, my darling niece, and uh, my brother, and my sister-in-law. Uh, that's crazy. Man, time really flies. It's wild. Oh, yeah. It's wild watching everybody, you know, have babies and, like, all these kids yes. getting older and everything. You get jealous? Uh, you ready for babies? Oh, relax. No, I mean, <laughs> it's nice to be able to go and spend the time and be around it and be there for yeah. it. But I also, you know, as close as I am with my brother and with other people I've known who have had kids, I also mm-hmm. know what the, the ringer Seems to be like that yeah. you go through. Um, so, you know, you never know. But also, I'm excited the NBA playoffs are starting. Oh, yes. That's yes, cool. Very much excited for that. that. Uh, looking forward to Lakers tomorrow night against the Blazers. Uh, is your seven-game series in this first round? I think so. I think your seven-game series? I think so, yeah, yeah. How are you feeling about your Lakers? You feeling confident to semi-confident? Yeah, man, we're ready to play the games. <laughs> I wish we had, I wish that Avery Bradley was still out there. Um, yeah. There were a couple things I wish that were different, you know, but... It'll be interesting to see. Certainly, you know, we had a long layoff. Uh, we'll see where it comes out. I'm excited to see the games. I'm glad it's back. Yes. I'd rather have it back than so. not back. Very much so. Uh, not to get into wrestling. Have you seen anything about WWE? They're moving out of the Performance Center, and they rented out the Orlando Magic's Amway. So the WWE is doing their big pay-per-view SummerSlam this weekend. And instead of doing everything at their home base, they've been filming for months. I'm sorry, folks, this is boring. They're, uh, they've rented out the Amway Center in oh. Orlando, Florida, which is where the Orlando Magic play, which is about 23 minutes away from where the Performance Center is. Sure. And they essentially have a open engagement to, like, so they're building what they're calling in the media the Thunderdome. And they're putting up all sorts of screens with wild pyrotechnics and stuff. Oh, it's amazing. It's supposed Good to be, for them. yeah, looking Good forward lead into to it. it. Absolutely. I mean, listen, here's the thing. <laughs> you know, I guess back when people were like, oh, we might have to take four weeks off, that was one mm. thing. But now here we are. Yeah, might it's as well. time to. Yeah. Uh, no longer holding pattern. You can spend your money, build your thing, do something wild with your product. Uh, let's get into uh, this week's news, and we will start with the headlines of this week with some local news. Mm. Uh, I always love that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, two. Local area bars have been closed. One in Oneida County and one in Herkimer County had their licenses suspended on Saturday after not following proper social distancing protocols, according to New York State Liquor Authority. 
Uh, there were investigators from the state task force who visited both the State Street Bar, or sorry, the Side Street Bar mm-hmm. in Mohawk, and of course, Dick Smith's Tavern. Utica, legendary in, haunt in Dick Utica, Smith's New Tavern. Uh, where bartenders were not wearing masks and dozens of people were, quote, milling about the bar. Uh, after bar and restaurants closed this year due to coronavirus, indoor dining was allowed in New York with 50% occupancy. Uh, at Dick Smith's Tavern on Silas Street, uh, investigators reported about 30 people standing around the bar area, as well as several drinking and walking around without masks. All of them, the seats in the bar were filled. A bartender there also uh, served investigators food without a mask, and no one ordered food with their drinks, officials said. Mm. So, uh, it seems like, I've seen a lot of people talking about this, it seems like they closed them down pretty quick, gotta set an example, right? That seems to be the case, right? You gotta show that these rules are serious, need to be followed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you find the food thing to be a little weird? They have uh, to order food to no. get... No, no. I, I get why. I can understand why people who don't, who either don't really give it a lot of thought, or people who have never worked anywhere near the bar and restaurant yeah. industry, think that it seems silly and wild and like they don't get it and it doesn't make sense to them. But I said it I, probably on the pod when the rule came out. It's in, everybody I've talked to who's in the bar and restaurant industry, all my friends and people that I've worked with from the time I've spent there, mm-hmm. everybody in that sector of people is like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, immediately right off the bat. Because you have to do something to, to kind of corral the people because you mm-hmm. can't just let them all smash into the bar because yeah. inevitably people start drinking, people get hammered, it doesn't matter, your mask is going to come off, all this stuff. People really shouldn't be out there anyway. Right, right. You know, what I think is crazy about it, though, is you hear all these people complaining and doing like this sarcastic, oh, we'll do like Cuomo chips for a dollar, mm-hmm. and people being all angry, and like the business owners, they basically made a rule that says everybody who comes into your bar has to automatically spend $10 they might not mm-hmm. have already spent. Like, what are you even mad about? Like, this is, that's a good rule for you guys, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, again, you can't be... These rules are serious. I know I know from a Maiden Utica standpoint, we've had to go through a lot to make sure that all we're following of stuff. Well, I mean, these... and that's why I don't... I'm not surprised somebody got shot down yeah. and you knew they were gonna... I mean, that's not even... It doesn't even seem like they made an example of and caught them on a technicality. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they were getting pretty wild yeah, and flagrantly thwarting, yeah. uh, thwarting any and all ordinances down there. And it doesn't really surprise me. I'm not really going to get into too much like inside baseball sure. as far as like Utica... <laughs> Drinking established. Utica bar yeah. culture and stuff like that. But this yeah. doesn't surprise me. Um, uh-huh. The only thing that surprised... It, it'll surprise me if they get, like, hard fined or sure. really if sure. something actually happens and there's actually consequences, mm-hmm. that would surprise me. But, yeah. Uh, let's get so into... It's going to happen. Let's get to some more national headlines. And, Kevin, I'm really curious about your thoughts about this. So let me get to the short part out first. Uh, earlier uh, today, Nancy Pelosi recalled the House of Representatives from mm-hmm. its summer recess early to vote on a bill to prevent the United States Postal Service from downgrading its operations or service from early 2020 levels in response to what the Democratic House Speaker calls the sabotage of the mail system by the Trump administration. Mm. Uh, Donald Trump admitted last week that he had blocked funding to the USPS in a bid to disrupt mail-in voting at November's presidential election. Mm -hmm. Uh, Postal workers have told The Guardian uh, that changes implemented by new Postmaster General Louis DeJoy are already causing major delays. Mm -hmm. Uh, Barack Obama's condemned Trump's uh, calling Trump's exploits kneecapping. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bernie Sanders added to it. Uh, I won't go into his whole Everybody. quote. Uh, Kevin, you are very close to post office stuff. Your father was like a post office employee. Yeah, you had a lot of family. Of family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know you've had probably this. Kind of, what are your thoughts about what's going on uh, with? Um, I mean, this is this is a five alarm fire. This mm-hmm. is this is it. Um, this is it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, you hear so you hear people say. 
you hear a lot of bad takes and mm-hmm. bad arguments against the post office. Um, the United States Postal Service and the United States being able to do mail service is enshrined in the Constitution. It's not an amendment. It's not an extra article. Right. It's enshrined right in the beginning of the Constitution. They have to provide this. So people talk about, oh, it doesn't turn a profit. It doesn't turn a profit. Number one, it's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. The fire department doesn't turn a profit. The military doesn't turn a profit. I mean... Unless you caught the oil companies. But, like, all this different stuff like that. These are services that we have to provide for the people. And, furthermore, the only reason that the United States Postal Service doesn't turn a profit is because in 2006, the Bush administration, the Republicans in Congress at the time, passed a rule that no other federal agency uh, has to abide by except the Postal Service. We have to fund their pensions for 75 years going forward. Mm. So the Postal Service has to have money set aside to pay theoretical pensions going 75 years into the future. So that makes it impossible for them to keep up with any kind of budget and not run the red because they're earmarking so much money to fund in a move that was put out there just to starve them because yeah. they'd like to privatize it. Now the guy who's been put in charge has active financial interests in FedEx and other privatized yeah. shipping companies. And it's not just about votes and the stuff like that. There's tons and tons of people who get medication yeah. via the mail. There's tons of other things like that that go on that people get through yeah. the mail and rely on the Postal Service. You know, small business, everybody ships through... The Postal Service. This is um, one of the biggest deals you're ever going to see. It's crazy, crazy Mm -hmm. times, and I hope that somebody can do something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's going in front of Congress this week. He they called for him to appear in front of the House of Representatives. He claims he's going to show up, but we'll see. Uh, This is from a a postmaster in upstate New York. This is from uh, The Recode by Vox. Uh, A postmaster in upstate New York recently told their union that the regular mail was two days behind after the first time in their career. Express priority mail was not going out on time despite a surge in package delivery during the pandemic. I mean, they're pulling sorting machines yeah. out of post offices yep. in almost every state in the country. Yeah. They're collecting the boxes. They're locking boxes up. Yeah. Like, it's pretty... Pretty bold face corruption. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's criminal conspiracy at this yeah. point. Like, there, if there was anybody to actually enforce this right now, you're looking at RICO charges. Yeah, which is wild. Uh, checking in with COVID, and we'll move on from the post office. Uh, coronavirus uh, death toll in the U.S. is now more than seven hundred and seventy thousand people. Uh, teachers in states currently hit hard by the coronavirus, such as Georgia and Florida, remain fearful of plans to press ahead with the reopenings of schools. As they should. As they should. I want to say that the first major UNC Chapel Hill I was just went, say, yeah, yeah. went to remote learning today after 135 coronavirus cases were found within a week of, course. of starting classes. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it all feels very obvious and predictable Mm -hmm. and yet here we are yeah right (laughs) we poured all this spaghetti sauce on the carpet and the carpet's all red Uh, it's like well yeah it's given the (laughs) given the number of cases allegedly at the college it's only a matter of time before they all shift to remote learning said robert kelton the associate professor of higher learning at seton hall yeah i mean that's Uh uh-huh yeah, I've, it's sort of like, yeah, no doy news. Mm, yeah. Uh, and let's get to the last big major story of the week, and that was uh, Kamala Harris was chosen to be the vice presidential pick uh, for indeed, Joe Biden. Indeed. Uh, so Biden-Harris 2020. Uh, immediately, Donald Trump started with his angry black woman Sarah's rhetoric. Squad, yeah, 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 calling her a nasty woman, angry Birthers, woman. issue boy, all Birthers, what are your thoughts on uh, Kamala Harris as the VP fit pick? She did feel like the most obvious choice, and at the end, it made the you know it seemed like it always was going to be her in hindsight. Yeah, I, you the thing. I mean, the the DNC very very often likes to shoot themselves in the foot as hard as yes. they can, so you never know. Like they could have swerved you mm-hmm. and hit you with like a Mayor Pete 
or some weirdness like yeah. out of the. I, it wouldn't have shocked me. Like run back Tim Kane 2.0, <laughs> some crazy shit. But yeah, she. Um, it's. I think it's a great pick. Um, although there's there's a lot of people I'm glad didn't get it. Yes. Um, although there's other people who I think could do the job. I think that Susan Rice would be better at the actual job. Sure. But Susan Rice is a lot more. She's never held elected office, and she's a lot more vulnerable because of her supposed involvement with yeah, Benghazi, with which isn't a real thing, but it's still. Mm. Is, is arrows in the quiver, you know what I mean? Well, one of the takes I've seen a lot of people talk about... I'm glad is, it wasn't Karen Bass. Yeah. Uh, one of the takes I've seen a lot of people talk about is, even though uh, Harris was the most obvious choice and the front runner, yeah. the, the Trump side of this didn't really seem prepared to attack her in any meaningful way. They because they don't really have a campaign. Well, because she sort of skews against what they want. He's like, "Oh, we're the Law and Order campaign." Campaign, and it's like, "Okay, oh yeah, yeah." Well, so try. <laughs> so one of the one of the things about her, the progressives, a lot of the progressives yeah. uh, get a little bit mad about her because you know she was a prosecutor, mm-hmm. and during her time as a prosecutor, like she definitely did a lot of hypocritical stuff. You know, putting people away in jail for marijuana, and then going on the radio and being like, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I smoke marijuana," and a lot of that kind of stuff, upholding you know some of the the really, really negative damaging aspects of our criminal justice mm-hmm. system in her job. You know, she upheld a lot of that and has a lot of those things to answer for. But, you know, that was also a job she had at one time. She has the most progressive voting record of anybody in the Senate, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and some people be like, oh, she's just from California. That doesn't help them win any voters. Mm-hmm. But at this point, like, it's not about... People people know who everybody is. It's no longer about, oh, that guy's from my state. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that really counts for as much. Statistically, it doesn't bear out. Um, she is an absolute bulldog out there, yes. though, with yep. people. And I'm yep. excited to watch her mm-hmm. be given more stage to chew into folks on the regular, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, I can't believe I have to say this, but there's a report mm-hmm. going out today from the AP and also from Snopes and PolitiFact uh, verifying that Kamala Harris is indeed eligible to serve as president. Of so. I'm, I really hope that we no longer have to hear this story. No, we, we will, still but will. it doesn't matter. Because from, doesn't from matter. the racists, the racists, yes, will continue to be racist. Yeah. Then it will be another day in America. Uh, all right, so moving on, what else did we want to talk about this week? Oh, I saw this really scary article today, actually. It's in the New York Post. Oh, uh, so many scary articles. Yeah, it's about uh, the recession, the looming recession, and it's talking about how the coronavirus recession that's coming is going to erode city budgets in many insidious ways across the country. Yes, uh, and one of the things they talked about is estimated decline in avenue revenue for the next financial year, mm. right? It seems like a lot. If you, it sounds too confusing, go to New York Times. It's right in the front it page. sounds too confusing. Read more. Yeah. That shouldn't be too much for you. Uh, I challenge you. A lot of these things on here are big cities, right? You know, mm-hmm. Austin, Dallas, Houston. What's really scary, the top three cities on this list are Rochester, New York, Buffalo, and Syracuse, New York. Those are the mm. three largest cities on this list in terms of potentially severe scenarios. The least severe potential scenario for Rochester is higher than the most severe scenario for Orlando, Florida. Jesus. And, yeah. That's or, not bad. And I don't exactly... I, I, you can read farther into the article. Again, yeah, I don't like yeah. to litigate into New York Times articles. They're very... Most yeah. of them are free. Go read yeah, them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's really concerning stuff about, you know... And really, it seems like cities that size are really going to mm. suffer. These sort of... Not exactly the largest cities in the state, but these big, giant mm-hmm. cities that are going to suffer a lot. Yeah. Uh, really scary stuff. Uh, so, New York Times, if you want to read more about that uh, this week. Uh, stuff I'm going to blow past real quick. Uh, 
Trump earlier this week said that the 1918 Spanish flu probably ended World War II. That was a pretty popular joke this yeah. week about him not knowing history. No, 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 no. That's that's having dementia. That's <laughs> having dementia. That's what that is. Uh, here's a weird story from this week. Uh, Herman Cain tweeted twice this week to attack mm-hmm. the Democrats on their choices. Uh, what's weird about that? What's weird about Herman Cain tweeting? Uh, Herman Cain got coronavirus at Trump's rally in Oklahoma and is dead now. That is correct. Herman Cain has been dead for two weeks, and yet mm-hmm. somehow the Herman Cain account, which had lain dormant since he contracted the virus, started posting tweets attacking Kamala Harris uh, when she was unveiled as Biden's running mate on Tuesday. Uh, if you're looking for a conspiracy, there is none. Uh, it seems as though Herman Cain's daughter has decided that the site will be used as a platform to share information and to promote the ideas he believed in. Uh-huh. So it's not really him if you get a tweet from It's not Herman Cain tweeting from beyond the grave. Mm. It's just his daughter using his name uh, to say stuff that she wants to say. Uh, funny story this week, and I won't get too much into it, but for folks who are big mad about NCAA football, uh, this is something I really enjoy. Mm. Uh, earlier this week, a lot of the NCAA college football organizations or conferences necessarily has said they're not going to play. And the NCAA has said we don't really want people to play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but certain conferences have even come out and said they're going to play. There's a lot of, you know, debate back and forth. Obviously, good-hearted, not disingenuous at all debate mm-hmm. on social media about who yeah. should play and who shouldn't. Nobody. No, yeah. Forget it. Uh, however, Dumb with college football. Done with that guy. So, uh, Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback, I want to say, for the Clemson Tigers. I could sure. be wrong. But he's the he is essentially the... Number one college quarterback and number one prospect in the NFL Cuban. draft. He's the best. He's the guy, right? And earlier this week on Twitter, he went out and just tweeted, I want to play football. You know, we want to play football. Go ahead. Okay, so a lot of people jump on this. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of bad actors jump like, see, Trevor Lawrence, the, the number one college football player, wants to play. Let these guys play. Donald Trump, let these guys play. Donald Trump doesn't like college football, by the way. No. There's, like a, there's a good story on The Ringer this week about him going to the National championship game in 2018 which is considered one of the greatest college football games of all time mm-hmm. and leaving at halftime because he doesn't know because he doesn't know anything about football yeah. right uh he's out there tweeting and then days after this after all these people jump on trevor lawrence's tweet trevor lawrence says yes we want to play and we also want to start a players union and mad players are backing him on it so now all of these bad actors who are like yeah let him play are like uh union's Paying players, though, no, is... Like, I love yeah. it. I would love <laughs> it if the college football players unionized. Oh, it's an amazing so story. Happy. I don't know what's going to come from it, but I really enjoyed Trevor Lawrence and his delayed reaction of, like, twisting this around on people. Oh, man, uh, the, the, the bait and switch. Uh, the open <laughs> Great, great stuff. Uh, I'll give you my, uh, I'm done with this guy for the week. And mm. surprise, surprise, uh, it's a man who's been here before. That is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, who... Like in reopening of schools to the killing of Osama bin Laden. I'm not going to dig into this full story. I'm just going to read you this quote. Uh, this is Governor Ron DeSantis. Just as the SEALs surmounted obstacles to bring Osama bin Laden to justice, so too would the Martin County school system find a way to provide parents with a meaningful choice of in-person instruction or continued distance learning. You absolute Madman. What an asshole. What is going on? What an asshole. Maniac. What an asshole. What, what? Oh. People of Florida. Florida men, if you will. Florida man. The royal Florida man. Uh, uh, Florida listeners, shout us out and let us know what you think of, of your governor. Because I don't, I don't get from up here. Uh, it looks crazy. And uh, I know that, I know we've got Cuomo here, you know, and he goes door to door, breaking in the car, stealing change. He takes all my change. In South Utica. It's and, wild. 
Yeah, yeah, he doesn't, you know, I know Cuomo knocks over my trash cans. <laughs> so that is tough living up here, but man, it seems like in Florida, this guy is out of his mind. What a shame. Seems oh. like he... All right, well, listen, let's uh, let's bring oh, things wow. up a little bit, huh? Bring it up. Let's get wild. Let's get wild. Let's bring in uh, our very good friend, the visitor experience and marketing manager of the Utica Zoo. Uh, and the man behind Dirty Jers or Jers Photography, I forget, he changed the name. It's like Jers Photo now, yeah. I think. Uh, but he did a great job helping me out along with the other photographers this weekend over at Handshake City. Uh, we had a great conversation talking about uh, doing photos, uh, all the new stuff at the zoo, the African painted dogs. Uh, you can, again, go to uticazoo.org slash prepare if you're interested in checking out the newly reopened Utica Zoo. They're back, baby. Uh, and we also talked a lot about golf and getting older, and he got a new roof on his house and all there sorts of, like, dad kind of stuff, like mid middle there you go. middle 30s dad stuff. Gotta have a roof on the house. Gotta have a roof on the house. Uh, so here's our RGFOP, Mark Simon. We'll be back to the show. kind of just kept going every week i don't like the zoom stuff no i don't think anyone really likes the zoom stuff other than like don't really have to be 100 percent present for it but at the same time like it's kind of the whole point i've heard an interesting take about like zoom content in the in the wake of coronavirus which Mm -hmm. is essentially like you know you see a lot of television shows and podcasts and all sorts of different forums using zoom as like a way to create content so Mm -hmm. it's like the late show on Zoom, like you know, like, like the Tonight Show, but they're at their house, right? I like the way SNL did it best. I yeah. think that that was really unique for them to be able to pull that off the way that it was because you know they're kind of not breaking that fourth wall, but that's sort of the thing, same thing at the same time. Well, my, it was very, it was unique. I liked it. My thought in general, though, is that as a society, we have all agreed to accept. All of our content is like twenty percent less good now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of like we've a... all we've just accepted that going forward until things are normal again, every piece of content we whether it's wrestling yep. or sports yep. or comedy, yep. it's yep. all going to be like twenty percent worse because of what's going on. At least I've gotten to the point, and, and like this is this is way back, like probably like April ish, like March April, and HBO was nice enough to put all like all the Sopranos on, mm-hmm. and. I caught myself many times, even in March and April, talking about, wait, you can't have a bunch of people in the same room. Wait, you can't go, you know, give your cousin a kiss that you haven't seen and you just got out of prison. You're going to get COVID. And then I have to remember that it's, one, it's TV, and then, two, that this was about a decade, or almost two decades ago, so. Have you, um, have you watched, are you a sports guy at all? Do you, you like sports for the most part, I guess? We I like sports house, but... just more for the, like social aspect though but like yeah. I don't like follow like you guys all like follow like baseball and football and basketball yeah. and everything else I'm just like okay well, I only ask because I'm curious if you consumed any sports content since it's been back on the air and if you found it weird to watch sports with no fans so my the, 
I've been I, I pointed this out to, to Zach the other day when we were watching the UFC fight. I'm much much more into UFC than I than I'm into wrestling mm. at this point. Mm. And UFC has really been a big one just because like that whole like vicious like watching two guys beat the shit out of each other yeah. and like everyone just brutal. like screams and <laughs> makes all sorts of noise yeah. and it's all exciting and whatnot. And now that isn't happening. And I kind of like it more because you can hear that meat on meat slap that you get when you when you yeah you know yeah, yeah, when yeah. A haymaker makes contact meaty so, men slapping meat yeah meaty men slapping meat <laughs> yeah you love it <laughs> <laughs> again I don't care what you do in your own sex life no. it's just not for me <laughs> I do think though that like you're right though you've touched on something and it's been a really interesting sort of meta narrative about sports. Like, I yep. noticed it when I was, uh, as I mentioned last week on the pod, I don't know if we'll talk about it this week because I lost more money. Uh, I've been <laughs> sports gambling uh, vaguely on uh, on DraftKings. And um, one of the things I, I gambled on was golf last week. I did the mm. PGA yep. Championship. And man, apparently America discovered what some of us already knew is that language on a golf course yes. is filthy. Absolutely horrifying. Filthy. I can't believe golf is allowed on television. I can't anymore. believe golf. It's so filthy. Like, like, like when they like mic up football players or like basketball players. Like, it's it's pretty bad. But golfers are just a different breed of terrible people. <laughs> golf has like an air of I don't want to say classiness to it, but it's a sport of like uh, it's like a white collar sport. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yep. It's like I know a, what you mean. Yeah, it, like it, it's got the refinery. It's, it's a refined, the, yeah. It's a refined yeah. game. So to hear all these dudes just dropping the worst f bombs and yeah. swear words because they missed like a five foot putt and they're still gonna make a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, exactly. Well, 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 who who is the grandfather of being a nasty man on the golf course? The one and only John Daly. John Daly, of course. John Daly was the one that all of us, like you said before, like not everyone knows us, but some of us do. John Daly is the one that introduced us to the filthiness of golf. Yeah, it's true. John Daly was my favorite golfer when I was a kid because he was such an absolute train wreck. I, I, yeah. was, I was one of those kids who just liked whoever was popular. Uh-huh. So I liked Greg Norman because he was the shark. Yep. And I knew who that yep. was. Yep. And I was like, well, I know this guy, so yep. I like him. And then John Daly because he was a well-known drunk. Yep. And then Tiger Woods because Tiger was the... The coolest golfer of our yeah. lifetime. Well, they used to talk about how, like, when Tiger was in his heyday and everyone was, like, following him around like a maniac and, like, the quiet civility of golf was gone because he yeah. had these massive crowds of boisterous dudes yelling, yeah. Get in the hole! Go, Tiger! <laughs> and that really changed it. And then, like, I know it's a movie, but, like, um, Happy Gilmore kind of had yeah. that same... And now... Go anywhere playing golf and tell me you won't find at least one person doing a happy, happy Gilmore drive. <laughs> I don't think that any person who's ever been on a golf course for more than, I don't know, three or four rounds has ever not at least once attempted yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I think I talked to you about this. I went golfing uh, earlier when I was on vacation when I was in Ohio. Mm-hmm. First time I'd gone in years, yeah. right? And I had very low expectations. I went two days in a row. First day, it's like a front nine. Mm-hmm. Like 40, 40 was par, 42. Sure. I think I rolled in something like a 70. Right? It was real, <laughs> real ugly. But I was just like, you know, it is what it is. I haven't golfed in a long time. I'll go back tomorrow because we're going again, yeah. and I'll I'll feel better about it. Right. I would say by hole five, I had <laughs> given up. I was now full golf caddy. Like, it was oh, me yeah. and my brother-in-law, yeah. and I was like, I'm driving. You just go. It was a comedy of errors, just me chain-smoking cigarettes and drinking beers and giving up on golf as a sport and be like hit it Don do it and, and that's and that's what brings you up to the Happy Gilmore drive is eventually yeah. you just get so frustrated by the game of golf that you just say screw it it's, and then you're just whacking them everywhere you can whack them I wonder if it's just that we've entered this sort of mid 30s era of our lives uh, where it feels like suddenly 
a lot of people I know are like way more into golf. My stepdad's been yes. playing golf for like 10 years, mm-hmm. 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. all, all the time. He's the king of Westmoreland golf course. <laughs> Anywhere else he goes, he's just a normal guy. But in Westmoreland, he'll kill you over there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just wonder why... I wonder what it is about the sport that is calming to the mid-30s man. <laughs> you know, I've, I've wondered that myself, and, and I've, I've always said that as, as we've gotten older, it's more and more common in a, in a business sort of setting yeah. to... Go out and play golf. Like just being able to play is important. But I think now, like especially like right now with dudes like like Bryson, who are out there just like yeah, the yeah. new bros of golf, it kind of brings in that whole new demographic. Tommy and... Fleetwood, my son, <laughs> that's my guy. And uh, I, I think I think it, it it's almost got that Tiger Woods aesthetic because like that like me like my dad, my stepdad, like everyone I knew was into golf. But like when Tiger Woods came around, I wanted to play golf too. And I think that there's a whole new generation of golfers that are bringing that younger demo in. So I think I've, I've talked about this a lot, right? Uh, if you watch the modern NBA, right, mm-hmm. what you essentially have is like uh, about twenty years of dudes coming into the NBA who mm-hmm. watched Michael Jordan play and said, "I yeah. want to be that guy," yeah. or whoever the next great guy mm-hmm. was, and you just pursue that. I mean, the Last Dance was basically that was just it was <laughs> yeah. half the story, half other people saying, "I want to be like Mike." Yeah, I think Tiger did that to golf and was the first person where kids, high school kids, middle school yeah. kids, young kids looked yeah. at it and said, "Oh, golf is cool." So then, like, ten years after Tiger makes his real big mm-hmm. rise, right. you have an entire generation of golfers yeah. who watch yeah. Tiger Woods, who are no longer afraid of him the way that, like, other dudes in Tiger's prime would have been because yeah. he was an absolute killer. Yeah, it, like, uh, yeah. And it now every golfer plays like Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Like, every golfer can hit the ball almost 300 yards on every drive and, yep. and just kill it, right? Yep. So, yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, that's, that's, ex- that's exactly, I, I agree with you. I think that there's a whole other new generation now that yeah. have been dragged into the game, and... When they were like eight, nine years old, that's when Tiger was was in his prime. Now we're all in our thirties, and we've just been. And Tiger's still kind of around too, so I think there's a lot of that. It's like if Michael Jordan came back and started playing basketball again. You know what's funny? I think it's weirdly accessible too as we get older. Like golf yeah. seemed inaccessible as an adult, mm-hmm. right? Or when I was a kid, right? Because you gotta have clubs, you gotta get a card, yeah. you gotta yep. get a cue. Yep. It takes a long time. It's not a cheap sport. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's expensive to play golf. Yeah, but if you don't give it, if you don't give a shit like me, and I'm like, okay, what? How much is it for a cart? How much to rent some clubs? Yeah, uh, give me like sixty balls because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna lose exactly, all of them. Lose all of them. So it, it, I really have tried over the years to not even care when I go mm-hmm. out there. Just take some hacks, and I think there's a weird competitiveness that exists inside me mm-hmm. that no matter what I'm doing in any sport, even if I have no reason to be good at all, right. I'm like, I need to win this game. Yes. I need to hit a hole-in-one. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Like, there's there's nothing riding on it whatsoever, but if I don't hit one under par, I'm literally uh, throwing these clubs in a lake. This is, yeah, this is just it's just angry, performative masculinity. I'm so mad when I get to But like, like you were saying, like, how it's like, it, it's a little more accept, like accessible now. But yeah, like, it's super... I, I, I've played with Parkinson a couple times, and I was I remember I was looking at his golf bag. He's got, like, 37 clubs in there that are all no younger than he is. Like, they're all from the early 80s. He's got 19, like, fairway woods. He's got six putters. Does he have no driver, though? You think he told me he has no driver. He doesn't. He, he, <laughs> he have no driver, right? He uses this awesome hybrid that he just he smokes. Hybrid. <laughs> we went to the driving range last week, and he was smoking this this hybrid all the way down, oh. and that almost hit, like, three cars in, with the same three <laughs> I, it's really, it's really one of those things too. Like I, I'm not really good at any sport, right? I like to play a pickup game of basketball. Mm-hmm. Again, I know I'm not very good. I don't expect to be. But again, yeah. same thing. Like any sport I've ever been in, even if again, like right now I'm in 
easily the worst shape of my life. Like <laughs> easily is this? I've I've been reading reports of people on the internet who are like, oh, I just I got abs over the coronavirus time. What did you do? I'm like, I did not do that. I certainly didn't do that. I, just, I, I was one of those weird people who managed to lose weight and get in a better shape during uh, during you know, like a regiment. What are you doing? No, I just I I I don't know what I did. I, I think it might have just been the undue stress and yeah, just yeah. worry, sweating it off. Yeah, just the me in my basement, like in my home office that is now a, a, a Zoom studio, just stressing about everything and like not lumbering up the stairs to grab myself a bag of chips. I was just like sitting there, just stressing and not eating for I don't know four months. So I, I actually I was able to I dropped like twenty pounds. Jeez, oh, and. I'm in a much better place than I was, huh. but I'm very slowly going back downhill. So I need to go back and hang out in my basement. I feel more, like I, I get I get paranoid, right? Like I'll I'll like get on a kick. Like last week, I think I I did like yoga every day, and then I was like doing like 50 push-ups and like 100 crunches yeah. every morning. I was like, yeah, I'm feeling feeling good mm-hmm. about this. And then for like three days, I'll just forget about it. Yeah. Like I won't even think to do it. I'll be like, ah, like my yoga mat will be on the floor. I'll walk right past it. Get away. <laughs> walk right around. Get, get, out, out, get, out, get out. Well, I will say I I, I bought a mountain bike. Mm. And I started biking again. Nice. And it was amazing how, like, you never forget how to ride a bike, but I would make it, like, two to three blocks and have to stop and take a breather. Yeah. And now sometimes I'll ride my bike from North Utica to the zoo for work. I have a real, At home. I have so. a real sharp-looking bike, and I wish it was in good shape. I need to, like, get it fixed. Mm-hmm. If anyone's got any, like, uh, bike repairmen they want to hook me up with. There's a, there's a Trek store in New Hartford. Like, a Trek bike, uh, like bike shop in New Hartford. See... I don't, I'm not a Trek guy. I got, oh, well. I got a, I got a Fuji. Oh, yeah, so I don't know uh, that. What are the bike brands? Are there bike, is it Trek? Oh, uh, like Cannondale. Can- Cannondale. <laughs> I thought, like, I, like, I don't even, I can't think. even remember the brand of my bike. So, I'm trying to think. When I was a kid, there was, like, Huffies. Yep. Wait, Huffy was a bike? Yeah. Yep. There was, uh, Huffies. You can get a Mongoose, which yeah, is Mongoose, yeah. I was poor, so I had a Mongoose. Uh, <laughs> you can get a GT if you were one of them, like, rich boys. Yes. Like, one of them, yeah. uh, that was, like, when BMX was hot for, like, ten minutes. I had, I had one of those, like, BMX GT, style. BMX-style yeah. bikes, and, like, I was that kid who would, like, pop his front wheel to, like, get up <laughs> over the curb, and then, like, not clear the back wheel and just, like, fall over and, like, and, like, gash my shit up on the pedal. That was me on the BMX bike. Shout out to my good friend from elementary school and middle school and high school, Chris Burling, who used to have a really dope GT, uh, GT BMX mm-hmm. black bike, and it had the pegs on the back. Oh. So you could ride have. on the back on the pegs if you were going somewhere. You look like I a wanted, bunch of idiots. I wanted the pegs on my bike, and my dad wouldn't let me get them because he didn't want me to be a hooligan driving around riding with some around, kid on the back. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could grind on them, too, if you were yeah. a real hard ass. He was more concerned about me riding around the neighborhood with some of the kid on the back of the bike than me grinding uh, on, ra- on railings down staircases. My, we never had a ton of money growing up, but my mom did really well. But, we, mm-hmm. you know, we had financial stuff. We were sure. parents divorced, right? Yeah. So I would get stuff. But I could never get the top level. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't loaded. So yeah, I wasn't yeah. able to get, like, yo, hit me up with, like, this BMW <laughs> bicycle, which yeah, is a real exactly. thing. I used to... See, 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 for me, it was more the fact that my dad is Jewish mm. and was not willing to go super high level with it. Yep. And yep. he will, to this day, like, stand behind that fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good for me because now I don't need to buy top end everything. I'm just I'm happy with whatever. So it worked it worked out in my favor. Uh, do you wear a helmet when you go biking? I do. You have like, do. a cool helmet. I do. I, I purposely <laughs> bought one of the ones where it's it's got the vents and it's got the built in visor. Yes. Yep. And it but it's like you know those like those like uh, those little baseball caps with the visor or like yeah. the little bicycle yeah, yeah, caps yeah, yeah. that have like no visor and you're not even sure why it's there. It's like that. I definitely for a period of time was using a lacrosse helmet. 
because I did not oh, have a regular helmet, which is not good because a lacrosse uh, helmet is not, open in the back, isn't it? <laughs> it's not open in the back. No, no, no. That's a that's a field hockey style. Oh, okay. okay. The lacrosse helmets <clears throat> are like the full. They almost look like a hockey helmet, but okay. they have like the full cage in the front. But it, your your peripheral vision is shit. You no. can't. That'd be <laughs> it's like like dangerous. Me, that'd be like me wearing my fencing mask while. <laughs> yeah, playing. yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> Just uh, ride around the screen door and enter in front of my face. Well, it's fine. Uh, we're 15 minutes. This is the most inaccessible podcast we've ever done. Just 15 minutes on golf and yeah. middle yeah. age, uh, middle, <laughs> middle, <laughs> middle age problems. Middle age problems. Uh, Mark Simon, our good friend from Utica Zoo, is back uh, once again, enjoying a beautiful Monday here yes. as it rains outside, which you probably heard as we started. Yeah, it got pretty heavy there at the moment. I, you know. I wanted to thank you, though, before we get into zoo stuff, because I do have some zoo questions for you with a lot of cool. stuff coming up. But also, uh, you helped me out yesterday. You were down in Handshake City. Yes. Doing that uh, photo session. I don't know if it yep. was a full name for what we called that event. Just I think like, it was the pop-up photo shoot pop-up fundraiser. Photo shoot fundraiser. Yeah. That, like, that's that's the most important thing about it is like, it was a fundraiser for Handshake City first and yeah. foremost. And it was just a good way for people to you know, get photos. Because you know, it, it can be a, a costly expense to go you know, a full hour family photo yeah. session. And sometimes it's just easier just to get, you know, get yourself a couple photos real quick and boom, you're done. Well, I really appreciate it. I had a great time. It was real straightforward, really easy. I thought all the photographers did a great job. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was cool. I'll ask you, cool. how, I had to leave because I had a family event afterwards. Mm-hmm. How did the rest of the event go? Was it smooth? It was great. It was, it was really, really smooth. Um, I, w- I wasn't sure how the like 10 minute like rotation would work at first, but after the first one, it was super simple because I think all four of us were on the same level and same page as far as like, okay, we, yeah. you know, we're going we're gonna to hit these three or four different spots, get a you know a couple snaps in each one and then move on. And it was, it was incredibly smooth. I think, you know, I think if anything, some of us worked maybe two, three minutes faster than the other. So there might yeah. be a little bit of a lull, but overall just the, the timing, the flow, everything was great. And, and the fact that we're doing it this coming weekend as well on Sunday for a second session, I think it's just a, a testament to how yeah. well and how smooth it went overall. And for folks who want to get a, a sample of some of the work that uh, Mark did, you can go to my Instagram page yes. uh, and see me doing rare squats Very in front rare. of the super, super rare, super rare super squats. Rare. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you this: uh, Have you, you know, you've been doing tons of stuff at the zoo? Things have mm-hmm. been busy. Uh, have you been doing photo stuff otherwise? Just like, have you been sort of continuing on with photo things recently? Or so it it it, it was tough uh, when everything closed down because, uh, yeah. as most people know, Turning Stone was was my main client, yeah, and correct. you know um, the nightlife aspect of Turning Stone is not active right now. The you know the the gaming floor is open, and I think some of the restaurants are open. Um, so it it, it was tough. Um, so I, I've just recently started getting kind of easing back in. I've been working with, uh, with, uh, you know, the famous, uh, Rome photographer, Tom Verano. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been, um, he's been, you know, working on some things and, and kind of, uh, branching out into his business. So, cool. um, I've been able to get, get in with him and him and I have actually been, been talking for, geez, probably almost two years at this point on, on different projects and things that we can work on. And, um, you know, I've kind of getting more into the family stuff with him has been right. great. Um, but I mean, really for me as a photographer, it, it's a very, very unique time because being a nightlife and concert venue photographer and none of that's happening right now, um, kind of learning how to pivot quickly and, and change my style up and kind of get to Ooh. a point where, um, I can, I can, I can do my photo work without having it to be in a dark nightclub somewhere. Well, it's funny that you say that because I, you probably know better than I, I can't imagine that there are any, are they open right now? Turning stone? Yeah. So the gaming floor is open. Um, some of the restaurants, I believe, are open, um, but that's pretty much it. Like the exit, yeah. 30, like exit thirty three, where all where all the clubs that I worked in were, those are all closed. 
those are not opening. And is from what I know, I don't know if there's a schedule for that to happen. Yeah. I don't think there's a schedule anywhere in New York for that to happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if it comes back, great. If not, you know, it's it's kind of part of the journey that you got to mm-hmm. pivot or... Yeah. Pivot or perish, I think the old saying goes. Let's figure out how to, you know, get yourself back on track. Well, I'm sure that your uh, your day job there as the marketing coordinator at the Unica Zoo mm-hmm. is keeping you very busy during this time. I know you guys, uh, yeah. I want to say, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, you guys have been open since July 2nd? Yes, July 2nd we opened to the general public. And um, I actually got, I was, I was very fortunate that just before we closed in March, um, I, I got promoted to a new position that is actually two positions. That's right. So I'm the right. visitor experience and marketing manager. So, oh, visitor um, experience. Yeah. So uh, when people come in, you know, basically ensuring that their experience is as best as it can possibly be, uh, it makes it really conducive to um, uh, creating memories, which is which is a big part of our part of our mission in creating an, an environment that families and, and friends, couples, individuals can create memories for themselves while while enjoying the grounds of the zoo. Um, but yeah, I mean, since uh, since July second, we've been open and it was we were closed for about 107 days, mm. and uh, it's been uh, it's 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 been a learning process moving forward. It's kind of ha- how to have the uh, the safe environment while allowing people to come in and, and enjoy their visits. And you know, just like anywhere else, some people are perfectly fine with with mask wearing because yeah. we require masks to be worn at all times. And yeah, of course, you know, it, it, it it's tough because yes, we're outside. We're 40 mm. acres. There's a lot of space. But we just don't know how this virus can affect animals. We don't know how it can be transmitted. So, something you know, we'd rather talking, be safe than sorry. Well, something I was talking to Justin about, actually, before we got in the air. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, I don't know if animals... It sounds stupid. I feel like an idiot. I don't know if animals get COVID. But, like, I don't think anyone knows yeah. really what the deal is. The so, back in May, I believe nine big cats tested positive for mm-hmm. COVID at the Bronx Zoo. Yeah. Um, and they, they actually have a special test specifically for animals. So, yeah. everyone else says, oh, why are they, you know, using tests for that could be used mm-hmm. on people to save human lives to test for these animals? And then it's just a different test. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there are, there are some animals that are more susceptible. Uh, cats, mm-hmm. uh, primates, um, the are the two that are most susceptible. But yeah. again, we don't know for sure. We don't know if it was just a fluke. We don't know if they were transferred or transmitted to the animals by their handlers or their keepers or if it was some other way. We just don't know. So yeah. we would rather take the uh, position of being safe than sorry because, you know, if if one person gets sick, if one of our staff gets sick, if a visitor gets sick, if an animal gets sick, that's a big it's a big deal. We don't want we don't want that. We don't want people to feel unsafe at the zoo. So we'd rather take extra precautions, put things in place that not everyone may like. But again, if we're if we're safe, it's better than being sorry. Oh no, of course, for sure. And I think too, you know, especially. And again, we've seen it a lot with you know I've seen it from the Maiden Utica angle with all the Phase Four Handshake City stuff reopening. Mm-hmm. I've seen it with the education background. Yeah. I know yeah. a lot of the. You know the the loopholes, not loopholes. The uh, the things you have to do to get through all the checklists yep. you have yep. to hit off, all yep. the marks you have to cross. Yeah, and I know it's tough. So you know, I'm sure, I think it goes without saying that we're all doing our very best to follow mm-hmm. all of these mm-hmm. guidelines and get everything open safely. Yep. But my question, I guess, for you is how much of the struggle has it been realistically to, to get these guidelines, you know, interconnected with making the zoo open? So we uh, we opened to the public July second, yeah. and we started writing our reopening plan like. Cinco de Mayo time, sure. like okay. the very, very beginning of yeah, May. Yeah. And just the process of not only getting a plan put together that would work for our zoo, work for what we could do there, because every zoo is different, every every uh, you know venue is different, but getting a plan together that was safe and also trying to kind of work 
off of what other zoos are doing, so there's some sort of consistency. Because because like like the, the Syracuse Zoo, Rossman Gifford opened yep. like two weeks before we did, and they have they have a different yeah. they have different guides, they have a different plan, they have a different way of doing things. And when that happened, we were getting a lot of flack from people. Well, why aren't you open? They're open. Why aren't you open? It's not the same. So yeah. so that's that's really the big one is getting a plan put together that that works for our zoo, keeps everyone safe, yeah. and and. Really, what's what's super super important is like, you know, just like a lot of other places, we're like strapped as far as our our yeah. staff goes. You can't just walk in off the street and be a zookeeper. You need to have years of education, of years course. of training, yeah. interning, things like that. And if one of our keepers, God forbid, got sick and went down, that's a major problem. Like yeah. we might not be able to give the the proper care to our animals. So keeping everyone safe, especially our staff and especially our visitors is really, really important because, you know, you have one person, one visitor that ends up getting sick and, you know, people, people are afraid. People are legitimately afraid that, you know, so if you hear in the news, oh, there was an exposure at the Utica Zoo, you know, people don't, won't feel safe. And that, and like I said a couple of times, you know, safety is our number one priority. We want people to not only be safe, but also feel safe. It's, I feel like I've said this on every podcast since this has all happened. You know, I always try and think of this in terms of, a history teacher, right? Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that we will look back in the history books mm-hmm. years from now, decades from now. I mean, at this period in time, this 2020 period, as yeah. one of the strangest, most mm-hmm. important periods of our existence yeah. on this on this country, on this planet, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be what we don't know, though, yeah. how we're going to be looking at it. Mm-hmm. Are we going to look back at this in 20 years and be like, this is the the moment when we all sort of had to come together yeah, to yeah. fix this problem, or are we going to look back here 20 years and be like, man, what, how do, how did we, how did this all yeah, start? How, how, how did we get to this point? Yeah. And, yeah. I, I think, I think that's a, that's a great point. I think that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of negative things going on, but there's also a lot of positive things going on. I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of movement happening and things that have kind of been stalled for years. And now, things are kind of starting to move in yeah. a way that they should be moving. I mean, I think it's easy for people to, like, look in the news and look at all the stuff and get depressed and get down. But, you know, again, we don't yet know the context that we're going to look back mm-hmm. at this period in time yeah. until the end, until it's all over. We won't know. Yeah. So you just got to keep trying to plug away and do the best you can yeah. and, you know, try and help each other out and survive this the best we can. And, again, like, I, people want this to all go back to normal. And and yeah. we all yeah. do. That's there's no there's no divide. People want to go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, my concern is what Kevin always says. Uh, there is no going back. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. That's I'm, yeah. I mean, I mean you know, the, one, once you get to a certain point, there there's no turning back and getting back to what you what you were yeah. where you were before. And and I th- and you know, from my perspective at the zoo, you know, certain animals. When they're not conserved, when they're not protected, you get yeah. to a point where there is no turning back. Exactly. Um, there, you know, with the with the climate and the environment, there is no turning back. Like I just saw earlier today, like the uh, I think it was either the Iceland or the Greenland ice sheet is past the point of no return. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> like, all right, well, I guess we'll just kind of deal with it as it comes. But you know that that that's that's something really important that the zoo does is looking forward and conserving what we have. So we don't get to a point yeah. of no return for certain species, or, or and not even just animals. You know, the the environment and the you know other types of wildlife as well is really important. So, and again, for folks who are interested in checking out the newly reopened Utica Zoo, 
Uh, you can go to utigazoo.org slash prepare for any information about COVID preparation for yeah. what you need to do. Yeah, so. it, all, all the details on, on you know, kind of our, our procedures and protocols, um, our, our, our rules and regulations, things like that, what, what's closed, what's open, kind of how you can do things. All mm -hmm. that information is right there. Um, and if you have any concerns or if you have any questions, you can always contact us right on Facebook as well. And I'll... I'll be the one giving you the answer, most likely. <laughs> and, of course, besides uh, the simple reason of you having cabin fever and wanting to get out of the house and do something yep. in the community, mm -hmm. I can entice you even further. You guys have a new exhibit as of, was it July 31st, with yes. these African-painted dogs. Yes, African-painted <laughs> dogs. They are a very, very, very cool animal. Uh, yes. Another endangered species added to uh, the Zeus collection. So, um, you know, being a, being a facility that can care for critically endangered and endangered animals is really, yeah. really important. It's a big point of pride for us. And uh, the painted dogs coming in um, is, is really, really important, not only for the species, but for the zoo itself. Yeah. Um, they're not animals that are super regular. You can't just go anywhere and see them. Mm. Um, and it, it's, been, it's been great kind of getting to watch them become acclimated to their environment and uh, just kind of be together and, and see them in Utica. It's, it's, it's unique. Much like a hyena, I look at it and I go, damn, that thing's super cool looking. Yeah. Want to get one of those as a pet. And then it's like, no, it'd probably rip, rip me up pretty right good. Off. Yeah, it's probably pretty vicious. So so, what, <laughs> so everyone everyone um, that I talk to about it always, always, yeah. always kind of makes the hyena painted dog parallel. And well, hyenas are like a whole weird thing. They're like, yeah, hyenas are their own separate thing. But <laughs> yeah. but what's really interesting about that is that hyenas are cl more closely related to cats than yeah. they are to dogs. Mm -hmm. And when you look at them, you don't think about it. But if you look more closely, you kind of see some features that are very cat-like. Oh yeah, and, it, and it, it, it's unique because you know they they're vicious pack hunters. Oh yeah, no, you look at this yeah. painted dog, and it looks much more like a what you would consider a dog. Yeah. A hyena looks like yeah. a crazy mutant. Radiation creature. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they've got the long front like, legs and the and the weird. and they keep their butt low. Yeah, it's they're, they're they're very very unique animals and you know our striped hyenas at the zoo are, are unique in the fact yeah. that most places that you go and see hyenas they have spotted hyenas. Striped hyenas are a completely different species. Yeah, yeah. and um, the closest zoo in the United States that has them is down in Florida. Oh, nice. So our striped hyenas are, are very very unique. Um, and they actually they they were born at a zoo in uh, Azerbaijan. Oh yeah, and they and they moved here when when they were when they were pups. So it's it's it, it that's what's great about the zoo is that you know right here in Utica, like right up on the hill, very unassuming if you if you don't know, but there's animals there that you sometimes can't see anywhere else. Oh yeah. So. Uh, again, folks, utica.zoo.org/slash/painted-dogs if you want more information about the newest attraction, which has been open since the 31st, I believe, or mm -hmm. something around that time. Yep. Uh, all right, what else did I have here for you? That's all the zoo stuff I had for you. It's all the photo stuff. Oh. Did you put a new roof on? Are you roofing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you a roofing guy now? Are you doing home? Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we get, we got, uh, we got real lucky. Uh, our roof had been uh, damaged several times from uh, from wind and rain and 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 snow and mm. all sorts of other stuff. So we had some pretty significant leaks inside the house, and uh, we uh, we were fortunate that our insurance was was able to cover yeah, sure. cover the whole cost. So yeah, we got a beautiful new roof and able to fix our repairs. So and and and, and it's crazy because like. So many houses in our neighborhood in North Utica are, are, mm -hmm. are going up for sale. And, like, everyone is just moving around, going someplace different. And, and that's what I was saying before. Like, there's a lot of positive about, you know, yeah. kind of the situation that, you know, some people are in a position now that they can afford a house. You know, their interest rates are so low they can afford a house. So the house they've been looking at is now up for sale when, it, you know, the same people have been living there since the 60s. So I think there's things like that, the housing market and, and kind of how things are moving. And the ability to, you know, make upgrades to your home, I think, is, is one of the... 
rare few positives of this horrible, terrible, shitty situation we're all in. Homeownership is such a fascinating concept to me. Um, because, not that I don't, I'm not interested in owning my home or anything, but the roofing thing is the thing you're talking about. When you own a home, you end up buying into essentially big, long-term investments yep. that yep. ostensibly, when you're done, offer no real, like, change yep. to your life mm-hmm. in a real major day-to-day way, but are vitally important to the... Like, I always look at it <laughs> yeah. as it doesn't add anything to our lives, it takes... The stress and aggravation yes, and annoyance exactly. of wondering mm-hmm. if our garage ceiling is going to be there yeah. in the morning when we wake up. Yeah, it's, it's one of those... But it's like, if you fix your roof, like unless there's a hole in your roof, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily wake up the next day and be like, yeah, this house is looking a lot better today because this roof is changed. I mean, like, it's... You, you but I can't see. tell you how many times I, like, I'll be leaving oh, for work and I'll stop and just stare at the roof. Oh, of course. Like, I'll just, oh, I'll sure. just look at the roof. Like, <laughs> ah, yeah. That's new ah, shit. No, she's a beaut there. That's she's a beaut. There. You're like, yeah, it's yeah. a good looking roof. Yeah, it's like it's like looking at the lines of my lawn after. I, I always wanted those like uh, those really obtrusive Spanish roofs with like the clay tiles. Yeah, you know, the terracotta tiles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there's there's a couple houses in Deerfield that have them. They look like they just got like picked up out of the Mediterranean, uh, and just dropped in Deerfield, and they just look so out of place. And I can't imagine those terracotta tiles are cheap either. <laughs> no, no, God, no. Uh, We'll do some lightning round questions before I let you go. You're going camping this weekend, I see. You yep. the, you starting, the main starting Monday. crew. Starting Monday, yeah. Where are you guys going? We are going up to, um, I just completely blanked, uh, Lake Pleasant, which is uh, Paseco Lake. Paseco mm. Lake up there. We uh, This is the third year that we're all going up, and it, it's great. Like We get back like August 26th and August 27th. I send in my request of dates off for next nice. August. Nice. It, it's like I love the camp. Going with the whole crew is great. Plus also... Like everyone has kids now, so yeah. it's like you know get to hang out with the kids for a couple of days, and which is great practice for those of us who don't have kids yet. So it's it's uh, it's nice to have them all around. Justin wanted me to mention to our listeners the about camping, about the fact that you have over the years acquired all sorts of camping tools and paraphernalia. Oh, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> he's he's given me a lot of them. <laughs> birthday gifts, Christmas gifts. I got him a machete one year for my birthday. <laughs> he got me a hammock one year. What else? Um I've got this like uh those like nesting pots like the the coffee thing with the with the plant like the oh, yeah, they yeah, nest yeah. all together, oh, yeah. closes up. <laughs> yeah, I got all sorts of camping paraphernalia from Parkinson. Uh all right, let's do <laughs> well before well, I'll let you finish we'll finish up here we'll relax for a minute. Let's do some Lightning round questions. Yes. Again, folks, yes, yes, yes. Uh, uticazoo.org slash prepare if you're interested in checking out the zoo and mm-hmm. want to make sure you're up to date on all the latest COVID uh, precautions and what you can do and can't mm-hmm. do. Yep. Uh, and again, uticazoo.org is just the main link to check out all the new stuff at the zoo, including the African painted dogs. Yes. And again, we want to thank Mark Simon for joining us here today and thanks him for taking our photos. If you're looking for photo work, yes. you can always tell your Mark. He's yes, very good. I'm, I'm, I'm very accessible on, on the internet. All right, let's do so. Oh, I have one last thing I didn't ask you. Before. Yes, did you actually end up going to Pelletier Joe's? Did yeah, my first. I went. It was your first my, trip? Had my first trip to Pelletier oh, Joe's this past Saturday. Interesting. Went went, went with some real uh, some real seasoned veterans. <laughs> what and, did uh, you What did you think? I'm very curious. So walking in, I I, I was more kind of thrown off by the fact that it was mm-hmm. like a residential neighborhood. Yep. Um, oh yeah. But I walked in. I I, I saw. I had seen photos, but they had they had like a sign on the door, basically like. People are in here eating. If you have a problem with people not wearing masks, don't come in. Like, yeah. you know, some places just have that, like, you know, if they're adhering to the guidelines, adhering to the regulations, this is how it is. Yeah. If, you know, if you're uncomfortable with that, that's 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 your prerogative. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, walking in, it, it was exactly what I expected. A bunch of old Italian men hanging out at the bar, drinking their UCs and having their meatballs. And it was, it was exactly what I expected. 
It is such a weird, singular, unique dining experience. Mm-hmm. I have such a hard time mm-hmm. describing it. Because the only time I ever go is with, like, my like my Guido family, yeah. right? So, like, mm-hmm. my Italian side family, when we were all really leaning into it, we were all wearing black and suits and overcoats. It feels like it's out of a movie. And not yes. even a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it feels... Just like a cheesy, like, knockoff of, the, like, the middle of The Godfather. Like, what is this place with yep. the weird white and red checkered mm-hmm. tablecloths mm-hmm. and the cheap scotch and... But the food is just on another level. I don't know what they are doing. I don't understand it. I was most blown away by how utterly inexpensive everything was. It's wild. It doesn't make sense. Profit. It doesn't make sense. Like all right, like something that that's a pretty flat rate around around the city. You could call bottles. Yeah. Or you could call draft. Two two bucks for UC draft. I can't name any other place in Utica even during happy hour you can get a two dollar UC draft. And like there was there was uh, me. Andy Sullivan, Brian Gucca, and Rick Fernandez all yeah. went. Sixty-one dollars for the four it's, of us. It's absurd, <laughs> and you because everything's like three dollars. You're just like, oh, give me like seventeen meatballs. You're like that's yeah. outrageous. You're like no, it's eight dollars. Yeah. We, we 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 get we get the we got a big plate of, of hot peppers. We got a big plate of sweet oh, peppers. God. We get stuffed long hops. We get pasta. We get meatballs. We get sauce. We get the bread. Did we you get, get the mushroom stew. No, that's one thing we didn't get. Mushroom stew is really good. I would suggest if you go back. Maybe we'll go one of these days. Yeah, the mushroom stew. Over the pasta is a is a treat beyond compare. So so Jill told me that gotta get the mushroom stew with, with the pasta um, the night before we went, and that's what I, I I'm not a yeah. mushroom guy, so I was just gonna have the pasta well, with the with the gravy. But like I saw it come out, and I'm like, oh my god. Let me tell you, here's another thing. I'm glad you. I'm really glad you said that. Actually, here's a here's a public service announcement for all our folks out there who are not Italian. Mushroom stew is a misnomer. Mushroom stew is a meat stew yes. full of beef and tomatoes, and it just happens to have some yeah, mushrooms it's, it's, in it. It's like they were chopping mushrooms for something else, and a couple fell in the pot. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not what you think. It's a, It's basically Italian chili. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah. not mushrooms and broth. Like yeah, like, like I thought. Like, I, mean? I thought mushroom stew was literally just like pounds of mushrooms with a little bit of brown gravy in it over some over some yeah. Over, it's not over pasta. It's no, it, no. It, it's like a beef stew with a couple pieces of mushroom. Oh, it's so delicious, and especially if you do it over that Italian bread. With the, mm. oh my god, what a treat! I, I, uh, I got I got taught a special Pelletieri Joe's uh, the uh, the cheese paste. Yep, and and that and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give it away. Because I feel like my one visit has, has given me enough credit that I can talk about the secret cheese paste and not tell anyone what it actually is. Oh, man. It's such a classic Utica establishment. <laughs> I love the place to death. It is definitely not for everybody. No. And that's kind of the way they like it. <laughs> like, walking in, I was expecting it to be like that like that restaurant in the city that, like, they just treat you like garbage. Like, they throw, like they, you know, throw they the food at you and they yell at you. Everyone was super no, nice and friendly. It they're was, super friendly. Yeah. The place just somehow, beyond all hope, looks worse than you imagine. Yeah. You, people tell you it's going to look like shit when you walk in. And you're like, okay, yeah, I got it. And you walk in, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is so much worse than what I thought it was going to look like. And then you're like, it doesn't matter, though. It's, no. it's totally irrelevant no because... Cares. The food is so good, I would eat it anyway. <laughs> what, what I liked about it is that, like, there was just that enough lack of care about certain little things. Like, all right, so the table we were sitting at, yep. right inside the door, right next to us, they just had dry storage. Just, yep. like, boxes of to-go <laughs> containers, like, sleeves of cups. Like, I think they had a case of, like, olive oil. Oh, just sitting there on, on some other table. God. And it was just like, oh. this is perfect. 
they got four dollar Dewar's white labels and three dollar uh, mushroom stew over pasta. <laughs> what a dream! It's All you need is seven dollars in a couple in a couple hours of your time. What a life! Uh, give me give me one book, album, movie, or television show that you guys were watching, reading, or listening to at home before we uh, close up for the day. So Zach got me into the show called Alone. Alone, yeah. It's like uh, yeah, yeah. it's like the you know survival show, mm-hmm. but it, it's not like the uh, like Survivor. It's not like yeah. I, I have it on my queue. I haven't started it yet. Yeah. We we only watched the one season that they're like uh, they're in the Arctic, and it was mm. just so engrossing. Just because like I'm not a reality TV show guy. Oh yeah. But all I could think about was that episode of The Office where Michael goes camping and tries to survive. It's like the exact. It's shot in the exact same way. Like they they have those like like those long cuts where the guy like goes back and gets yeah. the tripod and moves it yeah, and then walks yeah. again. And I'm just sitting there laughing to myself, just waiting for like just to see Michael Scott in the background, like with with like his pants cut off, like sitting under under his his sport coat. Uh, but no, it was wild. Like these guys are like they're, they're setting traps and killing moose and going fishing and, and all this other and like surviving in the Arctic for like three yeah. months. Like shit. Like it was wild. <laughs> You know, you're you're an office guy, so you'll appreciate this. This is like a two percent joke, so I don't know why I'm ending the show on this. <laughs> there is a basketball player, and he plays. Who's Mike Scott play for? Is it the Clippers? Right now, yeah, I think so. The Clippers. There's a guy who plays in the Los Angeles Clippers. He plays in the NBA. His name is Michael Scott, <laughs> and he is a three point shooter, and he's he's pretty good. <laughs> but I can't help but watch the shit, watch him play when I'm watching the Clippers, and just do like. Who's the cheap shooter you can get when you can't afford anybody else? He's Michael Scott. Like all, that's all I've been doing for like two weeks. I can't stop myself. Just office memes Who during Clippers it? games. Who is it? Who is it? It's Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it. I can't stop. I don't know why. I can't stop myself. Uh, Mark, so Mark Simon. Uh, so your full title now is Visitor Experiences and Visitor Experience and Marketing Manager. And Visitor Experience and Marketing Manager. You got to keep getting. You must get like a new card every three weeks. I've, I've, I've honestly just given up getting new cards at this point. Like, cause you're right. I have to just keep getting new cards cause my, cause my title keeps changing and, and being added to. So I just, I just say, you know, my title is different, but the contact info is still the same. Okay. Uh, Mark Simon, thank you once again for joining us. Thank we you. Appreciate you. Let's, uh, was a good time. let's go watch golf clips on YouTube. Oh, I like it. Can we watch old John Daly clips? Old John Daly. We're back to the show <laughs> in just a moment. Once again, Mark Simon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's watching that show alone. We were thinking about that show. Yeah, yeah. About I've seen, uh, we've got a couple friends who watch that show, I think. Yeah? We know some folks. Yeah. Well, thanks again to uh, Mark. I tried to convince him to bring me some sort of animal. Mm. He I'm always it. trying to get him to, to bring animals. Yeah, bring me some he's sort always, of like... I'll tell you uh, what. He's a good employee, though. He's firm about about the animals. Uh, yeah, I want him to bring me a lemur. Something I could play. Something to run around the house and hassle Charlie. You should get a sugar glider. You know what sugar gliders I are? I do know what sugar So I, a funny story. I'll tell you a quick funny story about <laughs> sugar it. gliders that involves Mark Simon. Yes, I love it. <laughs> so uh, years ago, me and Mark Simon were first like we were, I, we were first starting to become friends or whatever. I was at his house one night, old house he used to have. He was having a fire in the backyard and like having a couple people over. We're just sitting there hanging out. And he's like, oh, my buddy so-and-so is coming over, some guy who lives near him. This mm. guy walks over, he comes. We're just sitting at the fire, casual night, hanging out. 
And out of this man's pocket, pocket pops a sugar glider. Hmm. A little animal. And he's like, oh, yeah, I raised these. And I had never even, like, seen one before. And I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're like little, yeah. like, cartoon aliens. Weird nose on them. And they're really, like, yeah. smart and glide around and super social and everything. So I was sitting there, and it was the first and only time I'd ever encountered a sugar glider out behind Mark Simon's old apartment down in Utica. Huh. Just bringing them out in public seems weird. This guy, he's like, yeah, yeah I just raise them. Because they live in, huh. like, your pocket. They want to be close to you. If you have a sugar glider, they just want to sit in your pocket and chill with you all day and, like, eat grapes. What's the weirdest pet you ever come across in your own personal sort of, like, friend circle or group circle? Come across? I mean, the sugar glider was wild. Um, I mean, our friend had that porcupine. That was pretty wild. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's like an outside. Something that lives outside your house is more like having a farm. I'm trying to think. Had a crow, too. I feel like ferrets are weird. Ferrets are weird. I don't find ferrets to be particularly uh, cute. Kind of gross. Yeah. A little snake-like. A snake, am I? Yeah, it's Sorry. a little snake cat. I'm doing Jafar ad-libs over here. I'll show you how snake-like I can be. All right, it's too uh, early for that kind of madness. <laughs> right, let's get into uh, this week's history lessons. Uh, much like normal... Bring back to madness. Yeah, you know, Much like normal, I, I always can't tell when we've talked about these in the past because... Mm. History repeats itself. I don't know if you guys knew that. I think that's, you know, his time is a flat circle. I think this time is, is it's good to underline circle. that. So you can do the same story again. I'll uh, tell you. I might remember. So on this day, 1877, Billy the Kid, mm. famed outlaw, killed his first man. Uh, Billy the Kid claims that he has killed 21 men, one for every year of his life by the time he was, uh, by the time he himself was killed in July of 1881. Uh. Uh, it seems like in this situation that Billy was one of these type of guys who got himself caught up in bad situations and things spiral out of control, right? Like a little bit of a hard luck type guy. Uh, The first man he killed uh, was a gentleman in New Mexico uh, who, a guy named Frank Windy Cahill. Cahill was a guy who was sort of his boss at this uh, camp army post he was working at. Uh, He enjoyed demeaning this scrawny youngster. Mm. uh, And eventually he went too far by calling Billy the horrifying, uh, slanderous term of a pimp. Called him a pimp. Apparently that's the thing. What? Uh, Billy responded by calling Cahill a son of a bitch. That's weird stuff. Uh, and then the big blacksmith jumped him and threw him to the ground. He was pinned by the much stronger man, so Billy apparently panicked, pulled his pistol, and shot Cahill, uh, who died the next day. According to one witness, Billy had no choice. He had to use his equalizer. However, mm-hmm. the rough laws of the West may have found Billy guilty of unjustified murder because Cahill had not pulled his own gun. Mm. Like weird, I, I would have been such a strange time to be alive where there's these weird sort of arbitrary rules like, you know, can you just say he pulled his gun? There's no cameras, there's no phone. He pulled his gun. I, I had to do it. I guess witnesses, right? Yeah. Witness testimony. Uh, fearing in prison, Billy, uh, Billy returned to New Mexico where he soon became involved in the bloody Lincoln County War. Uh, he was eventually killed by the, uh, the sheriff, Pat Garrett, on July 14th, 1881. Uh, I looked up to see if there was any sort of, like, Billy the Kid, like, uh, movies or TV or anything like that. I feel like mm. there's, I don't know, I think there's a lot more Wyatt Earp than Billy the Kid. You know what I mean? Like, you, like, you got your tombstones and your untouchables sure. and your stuff like this. And I suppose you're not really getting any more. No. Because anybody care. who cares about Western stuff is, like, generally in their 50s or older yes. now. Like, there's not... Nobody cares about Westerns amongst, like, younger people. Uh, the very first... Uh, to be fair, though, uh, the Billy the Kid was getting put into movies all the way back into the silent era. The very first one, 1911, was just a silent film called Billy the Kid. Mm. Uh, I found a couple... There's a lot of them, but I found just a couple of good ones. 1966, 
Billy the Kid versus Dracula, uh, in which Count Dracula, played by John Carradine, travels to the Old West, where he takes a shine to Billy the Kid's fiance. I'm actually totally into this movie. I want to go watch it now. Mm. Uh, and then apparently the movie Young Guns with Emilio Estevez and Patrick Swayze mm. uh, is about Billy the Kid because I've never seen Young Guns or no. the 1990 sequel Young Guns 2 also starring Emilio Estevez and Patrick Swayze mm. uh, as Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett. Uh, all right, moving on. Here's one we've definitely talked about uh, on this day, 1969. The original Woodstock Festival ends. Mm. Uh, just We'll just run through the lineup real quick. you got Janis Joplin. Mm-hmm. Got your Arlo Guthrie. Who the hell is mm-hmm. Arlo Guthrie? Why is his name familiar to me? He's a singer. I think he was... Uh... See, This Land is Your Land? No, or is that Woody that's Guthrie? That's Woody Guthrie, but I think he's okay. a relation to Woody. Woody. <laughs> Different time. Uh, Joe Cocker. Joan Baez. Mm. Creedence Clearwater Revival, who I'm sure rocked pretty hard. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you don't seem all that excited about CCR. You want my hot take about Woodstock? Sure. Overrated? Underrated? Not a great lineup. Not a great lineup. Grateful Dead? Kind of overrated lineup. Jefferson Airplane? I do it probably depends how much you ride on the dead. I know that's important to a lot of folks. Come on, Jefferson Airplane. Sly and the Family Stone. Crosby, Very cool. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young? Hmm? Who? I'm, I'm out pretty much on Crosby, Stills, Nash, and just like, give me like Amelia. I mean, I'm who sad. and Hendrix? The Who and Hendrix is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, 25th anniversary one, we talked about that before. Uh, Woodstock 2. Mm. Concert featured Bob Dylan, Crosby, Stills, Nash, as well as like Nine Inch Nails, yeah. uh, Green Day. Then there was Woodstock '99. Yeah, that was yeah, thirty yeah. years. And there was again supposed to be one in uh, 2019, the 50th anniversary festival, but that never came to fruition. They did do that thing. They did do a thing in actual Woodstock yes. at the actual place where it was. Yeah, that's, that's a cool idea. Um, Woodstock '94 is my underrated Woodstock now. Yeah, it is. That's my Woodstock. yeah. That's my contrarian take because Woodstock '94 is my favorite right now. What was the festival you went to when you were young? You went to Lala. I went to Lollapalooza. Yeah. Lollapalooza. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Lollapalooza was a standalone in Chicago mm-hmm. three day festival, not when it was a because t- in the earlier '90s Lollapalooza was the tour. It was yes. Lollapalooza tour in the yeah, yeah, different yeah. cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've talked about it before many times. Went to Bonnaroo in 2012. Yes. Uh, one of my great concert experiences mm. I sort of felt like in the last couple of years though there has been a girth of concerts there was a while when it felt like there's a lot of concert festival shows popping up mm. you were seeing like uh, the Firefly Festival and then uh, the, well everybody was know. trying to get on festivals because it's, it's a lot of money you yes. make a lot of money if mm. you can properly and I feel like it got kind of oversaturated for sure that being said do you think that in a post-COVID like world when we've got some sort of vaccine like in the future we see a resurgence of festivals in the future. At some point, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Dude, all fe- cyclic, right? Well, because first of all, like festivals, you know, because a lot of people will talk about, you know, they'll say festivals and we'll talk about Lollapalooza or Bonnaroo or wherever the hell yeah. else it might be. But like festivals, people who actually go mm-hmm. to festivals, there's festivals that go on every weekend of the year. That's correct. Like the people who go out and, and follow around a lot more in the jam band scene and, you know, all that kind of stuff, people who are real festival goers, that's like a part of... It's part of their life. So those yeah. people will be back out at, you know, Peach and different places like that. You know, all these different, like, smaller festivals, you know, uh, Mountain Fest and all these things that go on. Sterling. People will be back out there yeah. as soon as they can, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And knowing a lot of those crowds and the type of people that are out there, they'll be glad to be socially distant. They'll be respectful. You meet so many kind people. Like, jam bands aren't really my thing, but I've met a lot of kind people in the jam band world. 
Uh, so yeah, festivals will be back. Uh, I'm a big. Fan. I don't know when, but people will never not want to go do that. I'm a big fan of like watching concert footage on TV. I came home a couple nights ago. You guys were watching some Live Aid footage, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I love live music on YouTube. Is like my favorite genre on YouTube. Uh, this is from uh, I don't know exactly when this is from, but this is from Billboard.com. It's just a list of the 50 greatest festival performances of all time. Not festivals, but mm. singular performances. You can go to the website if you want to see more of them. But here's just the list of the top five or so. Number one. Uh, Woodstock, 1969, Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. sure. Number two, Bob Dylan, the Newport Folk Festival, which yeah, I feel yeah. like is more like a mythological story than an actual mm. event at this point in time. Uh, big deal. Yeah, him Tough just, to overstate, like in later era now, but... 2011, Beyonce at Glastonbury. Mm. I feel like I remember people talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was just killing it out there. Uh, Otis Redding, 1967, at the Monterey Pop Festival, which was one of the last things he did uh, less than six months before he died in the mm. plane crash. Uh, think about this lineup here. So you got the Who, Hendrix, Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane. Essentially the same lineup as... Mm-hmm. Pretty uh, similar, yeah. yeah. But now you're in Monterey instead of... Oh, see? Not too bad. <laughs> uh, all right. And then number five, they have Prince at Coachella 2008. Mm. Uh, Radiohead, Bonnaroo 2006, of course. Jay-Z, Summer Jam 2001. Daft Punk, Coachella. Uh, Nirvana at the Reading Festival 1992. Mm. And then, of course, Dr. Dre... Snoop Dogg and the Hologram of Tupac at Coachella 2012. <laughs> I remember. God, that was like the biggest uh, buzz of the. That was such a big deal at the time. What a time when that was like the hugest news. Um, all right, we'll uh, we're gonna stick with uh, 2000 stuff for a minute. I guess we're not really talking about the 2000s. I guess, but uh, no, you know what? Let's come back. We're talking about Woodstock. We were. You know, never mind. I skipped too far. I skipped too far ahead. We're going back. We're going back to history lessons. Never mind. Back in the time. Back in time, all mm. the way back to 1978. I don't love this story as much. Uh, the Double Eagle Balloon completes the first transatlantic <laughs> balloon flight where it lands in a barley field near Paris 137 hours after lifting off from someplace in Maine. Persk Island? Perk Island? Persk uh. Island in Maine? Helium-filled balloon piloted by three guys through 3,233 miles over six days. Can have your thoughts about a hot air balloon crossing the Atlantic? No. Nah. Good for good for them, not for me. Six days in a hot air balloon with two other people of over the northern Atlantic, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, the eleven certainly not the eleventh story helium filled balloon. What year was this? the seventies? This is nineteen seventy eight. Uh, That's the, so dumb. The eleventh story helium filled balloon made good progress during the first four days, and the three pilots survived on quote. Hot dogs and canned sardines. Delightful. The breath must have been amazing. Uh, the only real trouble on the trip occurred on August 16th when atmospheric conditions forced the Double Eagle to drop from 20,000 feet to a dangerous 4,000 feet. Uh, they jettisoned ballast material and soon rose to a safe height once again. That seems horrifying. Yeah, so no thanks. Not really interested. In 2002, an American guy being the first man to fly around the world solo in a hot air balloon, which seems somehow worse, way worse, solo? God, mm. that's terrible. No thanks. I'm not really interested in hot air balloons like all that much in general. It would be cool to yeah, fly for a certain distance, but like, I, after a while, you're like, all right, we're up here. You know, that's, I've seen enough. <laughs> this is all fine and well. I've learned everything I need to learn about. Hot air balloons. On this day, 1990, uh, celebrating its 30th anniversary today. This is one of those It's For Me segments. Mm. Uh, David Lynch's classic film, Wild at Heart, debuts. Right. Uh, American black black comedy romantic film starring Nicolas Cage, Laura Dern, Diane Ladd, William Defoe. Uh, I'm sorry, Willem 
Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton and Isabella Rossellini based on the 1989 novel of the same name. Uh, Lynch was going to produce the uh, was going to produce, but after reading the book, he just decided to write and direct it as well. He did not like the ending and decided to change it to fit his vision of the main characters. Wild at Heart is a road movie that includes uh, allusions to The Wizard of Oz, Elvis Presley, and many of his other movies. Uh, in typical Lynchian fashion, this movie had very poor <laughs> test screenings. Uh, Lynch estimated that 80 people walked out of the first test screening and 100 in the next. Mm. On, the re- on the release, the film was met with mixed critical reviews and was a moderate success, grossing $14 million of its $10 million budget, so slight success. Uh, it won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival, at which it received both negative and positive attention in classic David Lynch fashion. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's a good movie. If you've never seen it. I like it. It's a little weird. Uh, a couple of interesting things about David Lynch. He advocates for the use of transcendental meditation. Transcendental meditation, pardon mm. me. In hopes of bringing peace to the world. He is initiated into uh, meditation in July 1973 and practiced the technique consistently since then. Kev, have you ever tried any sort of meditation? Um, yeah, I suppose. <coughs> I suppose yeah. a bit to some degree. Yeah. I understand the value of it, mm. for sure. Um, he wrote a book about this as well in 2006. It is called uh, Catching the Big Fish, Meditation, Consciousness, and Creativity. Uh, he describes the metaphor behind the title in the introduction. This is just an excuse for me to do Lynch voice. Ideas are like fish. If you want to catch a little fish, you stay in the shallow water. But if you want to catch the big fish, you got to go deeper. Deep down, the fish are more powerful, and they're huge and abstract, and they're very beautiful. So there you go, David this Lynch. This is all just a big setup for you to do David, David Lynch. Lynch. Now I see. Uh, now I see what's going on uh, here. I love it. Great stuff. <laughs> I see what's happening. Go, there's a video I watched on the internet. I can't, it's like eight minutes of David Lynch being weird. We'll share it. It's, share, it's share stunning. It Uticast. Stunning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also on this, I'll say, on this day, 1992, last but not mm. least, uh, legendary Celtics basketball player Larry Bird. Mm. Retires. Uh, Larry Bird, historically, uh, famously, was supposed to play for Bobby Knight at Indiana's Hoosiers University. Uh, however, he got cold feet and uncomfortable and instead decided to play for the much smaller Indiana State. Uh, what are they, the Sycamores, in his, uh, near his hometown of French Lick, Indiana. You ever been to French Lick? You ever driven through there? Uh, I've driven through Indiana at one time. I was a youth. Yeah. I don't know. I went there once and I was with my dad. We drove through. It's really, it's wildly small. It's like the whole yeah, gimmick. Yeah. It's mad small. Uh... Burr entered the NBA in 1979, made an immediate impact, won Rookie of the Year. Uh, he also won an NBA title in his second year in the league, uh, alongside Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish, win championships again at 84-86. Uh, at the age of 35, his back sort of went, he decided to retire, but he ended up being a coach and an owner uh, with the Pacers and the Celtics. Uh, for me, I would think Larry Bird, because of, very specifically of the game, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, one on one for regular Nintendo. I would say the Larry Bird and those McDonald's commercials. Yeah, Larry Bird and Michael Jordan were the first two significant NBA players of any merit to me. Mm. Magic Johnson, I guess, but even then, I kind of think I was I didn't know as much about Magic Johnson. Mm. I think Bird and Jordan, who I assumed were huge rivals, and in hindsight, kind of not really. No, they're just two really popular players, I suppose. Mm. What are your thoughts about uh, LB? One of the greatest of all time. Great <laughs> basketball player. Would he have been better in today's game? Do he was smoked in today's game, just killing it from three? He probably didn't have, probably didn't shoot as many threes back then, but he was a great shooter. Yeah. I bet you'd probably mop up. Probably in would modern be. NBA. Probably would. 
Senator the Knicks. I bet he's better than their current staff. Almost anybody. <laughs> right now. Uh, all right. Let's move on uh, to the 2000s. What I was going to talk about, uh, I was on the AV Club earlier this week, which is a source I go to all the time. Mm. And they've been doing their celebration of the year 2000, as it is the 20-year anniversary of mm. the year 2000. And what I found was a list from Billboard of the top 15 best songs to hit Billboard Hot 100 mm-hmm. in the year 2000. Right. Are you ready to run through some of these amazing tracks and sure. we'll talk about how whether they've aged well or not, I suppose? Or okay. Some... Uh, let's start off with the first one, and that would be Big Pimpin' mm. by Jay-Z. <laughs> mm. I feel like this is actually sort of a down period for me with Jay-Z a little yeah. bit. Like, this was not the biggest Jay-Z hit that I could have thought of necessarily. Uh, but I do remember this music video being. You wouldn't have gotten all into the other the stuff place. you were into if this song didn't exist, though. That's very true. You know what I mean? Like that that other stuff doesn't exist for you if this song doesn't uh, happen. It's so it's it's tough to overstate how big this was and cross him to the threshold of a guy who can stand on his own and make like colossal hits as the guy at the front of the track. Hey, answer your question about Jay Z. You might know this better than I do. Sure. Did Jay-Z at some point in time decide he was getting rid of the hyphen? Was that like a thing? It was J-Z, and now it's... I think it just depends where it is. It depends? I'm sure at some point he might have said something. That's a a marketing decision. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think it was like a thing like, oh, the album where he finally drops the hyphen. (laughs) How about I Try by uh, Macy Gray? Great song. Great track. Really cool song. song. Did she really? She really didn't do too much afterwards. I can't. Was there another track after that? She had a couple things after that. Yeah, she was around for a while. Weirdly, in the first Spider-Man movie, appears in the first mm-hmm. Spider-Man movie before me in the parade. How about "Oops, I Did It Again"? Britney Spears, wildly popular. Right, what can I say? It's a big hit. I was like 14, 15 at the time. What can I say about that? How about 13? all small things? Blink One Eighty Two. Also, it was like fourteen at the time. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, that was a obviously a super formative album. Yeah. Um, going back, my least favorite song on that album, probably. Really, you think your least Always favorite? Always the skip, definitely. I'd have to look back at the whole list. Definitely. It's not my favorite of their singles as a Blink One Eighty Two fan. No, but I think that would be the case, right? Most people mm-hmm. like this song because it's not the 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 Smarks don't like this one. Right? Most most <laughs> yeah, yeah. most people don't like their favorite band singles. Yeah, that's I think true. that's a pretty pretty ubiquitous phenomenon. How about Independent Woman number mm-hmm. one? By Destiny's Child. That was like, a hit. That's not even the first Destiny's Child song, I guess, I think of. No, but no. It, that was a big hit. How about Miss Jackson by Outkast, 2000? Colossal. People <laughs> still, people still, so you say the name Miss Jackson now, and people still automatically start singing it. Automatically singing yeah, from yeah. the green room. Uh, how about Stan, Eminem featuring Dido? Another huge, I mean, you know, I'm, I was talking about I feel about Eminem, but this, I can't deny the song was huge. <laughs> I have to do it. My favorite thing about this, go watch the MTV Music Awards rendition of this, where Eminem does it with Elton John, yeah, and yeah. Elton John sings the Dido part, mm-hmm. and there's never been a more Elton John version of anything in the world. Please don't go wondering why. He's really leaning into it. It's amazing. He outshines Eminem. Stunning. Mm. Stunning work by Elton John on mm-hmm. this track. Uh, bye bye bye. In sync, absolute mm. banger. In high school, I wouldn't have admitted that necessarily, right? Like, we wouldn't have said, "Oh yeah, In sync, killing it." It's funny. Anytime I see that and that song come on somewhere and something happens, be it like in a bar, somebody's out somewhere, somebody's playing something, guaranteed, you watch around. No matter what that song comes on, you will see somebody. If mm-hmm. there's people of a certain age, do that the hand clap going across for the <laughs> bye 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 thing. Yeah. No matter what room you're in, you will see somebody do that if that song comes on. Uh, how about party up? Up in here by DMX, one of the absolute bangers of all time. Uh, DMX was on one of those battle shows, wasn't he? Didn't he get like? Don't they do like those battle rap things they've been doing on TV? You, Zach, might know more about that. I have to ask him in the green room. 
The versus battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on it. I guess he didn't do very good. No. I heard he wasn't very good. It's washed. This track is killer, it though. It's still bad. good in the first place. Uh, how about Music by Madonna? Uh, I feel like I was down on Madonna in this period. How about Try Again by Aaliyah? Not Aaliyah. bad. Aaliyah. Not bad. Not my favorite, but not bad. How about Untitled by D'Angelo? Killer. With the, the video with the abs. You love to see it. <laughs> that whole album, uh, some of my, some excellent, excellent bass playing. Yes. I remember being a little kid, and like when I first started getting interested, like around 2000 when I was getting interested in instruments and really paying attention to what was happening, I still go back. Uh, Pino Palladino played bass on the entire album, and he is a monster. Uh, you know what else is a monster? Mm. The track Thong Song by mm. Cisco, which also popped out in the 2000s. Mm. Uh, dumps like a truck. What? What? No, thighs like what? Terrible. What What a time for American culture. Uh, how about Other Side by the Red Hat Chili Peppers? Sort of like the mm. big Red Hat Chili Peppers revival. Oh, I was funny. I was talking to somebody about the Chili Peppers earlier today. I don't always talk about the Chili Peppers, but I was... Not two hours ago. Were you chilling for the next episode with Dr. Dre, Always. Snoop Dogg, Corrupt, oh, and Nate Dogg? Yeah, yeah. Big time. I was... Yeah. Were, were you on that country grammar parentheses? Every party. Hot every party. Every by dance. Nelly? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good This stuff. is like a ninth grade dance, is what all this is right <laughs> oh, here. I gotta go follow the this. ninth grade dance mix. I gotta go follow this list on Spotify. Uh, yeah, great list. 2000s. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Uh, we're running a little long here. We're just here. bottling up our childhoods and selling it back to us. <laughs> we're running a little long here, so let's do... Uh, I got two quick stories, and then we'll do our Spotify picks, and we'll call it for the day. Cool. Uh, first one, uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is planned to be rebooted as a gritty drama based on Off that, that wild trailer? Off that wild trailer that oh, made nice. the YouTube uh, viral trailer earlier a couple years ago. Uh, apparently, a real thing that's going to happen now, according to U.S. reports. Love to see it. Uh, it's a really cool trailer, and if you've never seen it, it's worthwhile. I think it's just called Fresh Prince. It's not called. Uh, it's really cool. Something you'll uh, find. You'll it. find it, especially if now they're doing it. It is a dramatic sort of version of the Fresh Prince story. A gritty reboot, which I think is it's a good idea. It really the is. The trailer was great. Yeah, it really was good. The it was, was really great. worth it. Uh, and then also this week, uh, a little story from the world's last blockbuster video, which is in Bend, Oregon. Uh, the store has listed itself as a now '90s themed. Airbnb. So instead of a blockbuster video, Unreal. you can stay there Electric. and dream of the 90s. That's right. Uh, it's a really good idea, Shout by the way. Shout out to Blockbuster for turning down Netflix uh, when Netflix wanted to sell to them for $50 million, <laughs> however many years ago, like 2009 or 10 or whatever it was. Uh, and they said, no, not for $50 million. And now Netflix is worth like $170 billion and they have one Airbnb in Oregon. Uh, each day, which includes access to an unlimited movie marathon, will cost a mere four dollars before additional taxes and fees. One penny more than the store's three ninety nine rental fee for a movie. Mm. "Quote unquote" from the release, your Airbnb host will stock the shelves with all the movies your heart desires <laughs> before handing over the Good keys. God. Dear Lord. Uh, all right, and uh, and I think that's really all we have for this week. I have some mm. other stuff, but we can. We can get into it later. I can hold off. We can do some movie stuff next week about Whatever 2000s you do. movies. Uh, what is your Spotify pick for the week, uh, uh, so Sullivan? I have got a bunch of Spotify stuff that I was looking at. And I'm I love going it. To, what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to kind of spin out and I'm going to stall for a bit of time as I pull up that playlist where I earmarked it here on my Spotify. Well, while you do that, I'll and give I, you my track for the week while you're looking yeah, that up. Yeah, buy me a minute. Uh, as we were talking about Jay-Z from 2000 with his track Big Pimpin', I put an older Jay-Z track, one of my all-time favorite Jay-Z tracks, Dead Presidents 2. One of the first rap songs I really just, mm. like, I just really hooked me. I love the groove. 
One of my earliest favorite hip hop songs of all time. Made it a Dead hot President line. He made it a hot song. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I've got my the one pick. I'm going to talk. Or wait, you're doing two picks. I'll do one. Oh, you, you okay, no, one. either way. I've only said I've got one that I was going to do. That I'm going to find the rest. Of it. Okay, and then my other one, I guess I'll do is uh, a classic punk rock track from uh, from one of my favorite bands, The Descendants. Track called "Talking." Really clever wordplay in the song. It's real fast, quick '90s pop punk. You love to see it. The Descendants. Mm. And Jay-Z, my two picks. All right, so I got two for you. I'm going to do an old man pick. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a new album by Beck, uh, yeah. who always puts out interesting albums. Uh, the album's called Hyperspace. Yep. The song's called Dark Places. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, check that out. Really cool. Very synthy. Um, and and since you're going to do throw a pop punk banger on there, I'm going to throw Anywhere With You by Saves the Day mm. on the playlist because hey. it's an awesome sunny day song. Yeah. Vocals are going to be very high pitched, but you'll be all right. You'll make it through. Okay. Uh, thanks to GFOP Mark Simon for coming by and having a good time with us, chatting it up as always. Again, UticaZoo.org slash prepare if you're interested in checking out the newly reopened Utica Zoo and their sweet, sweet new African painted dogs, which are super cool. Uh, thank you once again to Heather Waz. Follow her on all her social media platforms. She's doing great stuff as usual. Follow Kevin at Twitter at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Or just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcast, Spotify. We're taking over the web. Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time. We will see you next week. Remember, folks, gotta go out there and vote. It's coming up soon. We are less than 80 days away. Mm-hmm. It's getting close. Vote. Quick, dog days of summer. All right. Adios, folks. Be safe out there. Uh, and we'll catch you next week. 